Hey guys, it's Mateo Scalera, and you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. Yo, yo, yo. And CBS. Hello. Yo, yo. Uh, I was doing your voice. I was trying to do your voice. You don't do a very good job of it. Not the same at all. Let's see. So today we're doing episode number 149. And we're going to be going over uh, the uh, Immortal Hulk, the Thrashing Place, issue one, which was a one-shot from Marvel. Sea of Stars uh, from Image Comics. This is issue number seven. Spawn, number 310 from Image Comics. And then uh, Umbrella Academy, You Look Like Death, number one, from Dark Horse. And we'll wrap it up with a splash from DC Comics, issue number 764. But before that, hey man, we're doing this ad for a super cool Sponsor Me Honey contest. Honey? Yeah, man. Honey's the free internet browser extension that automatically finds, tests, and applies the best coupon codes when you shop online at checkout. It does all the hard work for you. Did you just call me Honey? Glad you asked. You and our listeners should go online to joinhoney.com backslash besthoneyad to download Honey on your laptop or computer. I use it for your birthday present. My birthday? What month is it? I'm an early shopper. I use it for Christmas, too. Wait, it's Christmas? Doesn't matter. I got it with a discount. You should get Honey today. Seriously, quit calling me Honey. And I'd like to thank the folks at Honey for the opportunity. So we're going to start with a little bit of news. Josh, you got any news over there? I do. What's in the news? A couple little things. Um, I thought you thought. I, I thought you would think that this was fancy. Um, the Gorillas animated film is still in development. Day, Damien Albarn, who's like the main singer guy, scripts are being written, uh, plans to be made, animators are being on board, but yeah, they're going to do an actual animated like film for Gorillas. I know you like the Gorillas. Heck yeah. I mean, that's really cool. Um, I didn't realize they were doing a full-length film, but if that's the case, awesome. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a series or if it's going to be like just one film, or but I mean, I always thought it'd be cool because like, they're such cool characters. Like, it always looked really neat. I'm sure they use very similar animators, but like the designs are already made, so it's like, right. why not? Well, they've already done a whole pile of videos, so like, nothing else from the videos. It's, have you ever, have you ever gone on YouTube and watched any of their live performances? Um, yes, and they did that one with the VMAs one year with, uh, Madonna. Well, it's like, yeah, they're like, all that 3D weirdness? Well, they have the band playing, right. but then like, they have a gigantic screen of like something on the, of, you know, they make a new animated thing for like the performance kind of thing every time, which I thought was really rad. I, I never knew that was a, I was, I, I, I fell down a rabbit hole one night and kind of got into that, but I was like, wow, that's, it's, I mean, they really took it, you know, cause you know, Damien is the guy from Blur, which like, yeah, yeah. Like, singer so, yeah, the so like he's you know, but he's also a producer and he's put he's worked with a bunch of the bands and uh. Was gonna say the artist that did the designs is the dude doing Tank Girl, so right. Name wise, I don't remember. All British guys, yeah. She's like kind of thing, but anyway. Um, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, Moon Knight found its director Muhammad Diab. He's a Egyptian director, which makes sense because it's a 
Well, and I deal with the Egyptian god Khonshu, if, if that's real. Well, right. But like, yeah. and the, like, like you were saying before we started the podcast, like the rumor Oscar Isaac. Oh, Oscar Isaac's from Moon Knight. Yeah, that's but a good it's not. Say, yeah. I haven't seen anything confirmed, so I'm not 100% sure. It showed up on a couple different websites, but I mean, the internet's full of. We thought we knew who was cast for She Hulk, and that turned out not to be true. But Jamie Slater is going to be the showrunner, which he's the showrunner on Umbrella Academy, and we all know that Umbrella Academy is really good as well, so sure. hopefully this show is just as good because the showrunner is like. Different people direct different episodes most of the time on TV shows. Like they switch directors, but basically sure. the, the the cast and crew and everybody's like kind of already set up. So the showrunner is kind of like the main guy, person like, orchestrating everything. Yeah, yeah. So like, but so the the fact that he's doing he's the showrunner is kind of cool too. So yeah, well, Umbrella Academy is pretty good. Season one, season two, both. There's massive. I saw an official release, but then again, I saw it retract. Like I don't know, but supposedly. Not only is Michael Keaton on board for the uh, animated, or not animated, but the uh, the, the HBO Plus stuff going on. Oh, yeah, okay. And Flashpoint. But they're also, supposedly they have signed him on for a Batman Beyond show as well. Is the rumors that they're going to, like, they're just going to go out, with, and that will be a TV show on HBO Plus. Cool. Well, when they were talking originally about his contract with uh, Flashpoint, it also included another project, but... So, no one knew what that meant back right. then. Right, so so supposedly they're bringing him on as like old school Batman, blah blah blah, which that's we, cool. Which everybody's been wanting that for a long time. Well, yeah. Ever since we saw him as the Vulture and realized how awesome he is, oh. his, his Vulture was great. Well, it was awesome before that, but people forgot he existed. Nobody exists. No, the real fans never forgot. Normal him. audience, no, forgot. the real fans never forgot. I'm telling you, CBS. they forgot. I'm telling you, you know who didn't forget me. Well, I don't because disagree. I feel like Michael Keaton is the greatest actor of all time, <laughs> and we've had this conversation. <gasps> I'm not saying everyone forgot. I'm saying that the general population forgot. He's, he's fantastic. So he anyway, I'm, I'm he's great. Anytime he comes out with anything new, I'm super stoked on it because it's always it's great. Yeah, he's and awesome. He, and he's gonna be in obviously the next Spider-Man. Well, we saw him a cameo also in the uh, the commercials for Morbius. So like, as a thing, exactly. So like that. Well, it's that whole. They're saying this, the whole Sinister Six thing is going to start building around Holland as that that whole thing. Well, Tom, they always they they planned prior to all this to do a Sinister Six movie, which with with Andrew Garfield yeah, back in the day. But so. now, like they're still kind of like they could still they could still build it through the Venomverse. Sure. Well, I'm not saying they can't. I I just so, assume that the plans before they just changed but, who was in charge and who the main character. But again, around. like we, I mean, in the Tom Holland ver- version of Spider-Man, we haven't seen a, um, a Green Goblin yet, no. so you need kind of a ringleader. So if you can get, I mean, if you know, if you use the Vulture, if you use, you know, yeah, Michael with Keaton, Vulture, we cool. know who he is. That kind of defeats it because as a Vulture being part of the Sinister Six. I, that makes sense to me, but he already knows the truth about Peter Parker, and even though the rest of the world does now, which they have to sort of fix, probably. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do with that. And the, yeah. A lot of people are saying that, like, some for some reason, what's the what's his best friend's name? Ned. Oh yeah, Ned. Uh, I don't remember last name, but, but yeah. they're gonna make him a villain. Some I saw something about that. That sounds uh, questionable. I, I don't. You know, you know, rumors get started, but yeah. anyway. The I mean, Hol- they could make him Doctor Octopus. I guess that would make no sense, but okay. The Holland verse is really cool. He's a great Spider-Man. Sure, he's he's both he's everything that all the other ones could never do, which was like, well, be an actual kid. I mean, because he was a kid when he started. Well, yeah, but not even be an actual kid, but like 
Andrew Garfield was a really, really good Spider-Man, but sure. he wasn't a good Peter Parker. And like, Tobey Maguire was a really good Peter Parker, but his Spider-Man was like, eh. He's okay. No, but, 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 it, but his Peter Parker, he was really good. He was nerdy and kind of, oh, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, so like, they kind of just never quite could, but like, Tom Holland was both things. Right. He was awkward and skinny and small. Like, you know, like, Tobey Maguire actually said, like, in interviews, like, I bulked up for this role because I didn't think I looked good enough in the suit, but it's like, Spider-Man wasn't supposed to be bulky. He's not supposed to be strong looking. Right. Like he's supposed to be, this is because he has the proportionate strength of a spider doesn't mean that he is supposed to be yeah. buff. You know, yeah. like he was, and so like. He's drawn that way. Tobey Maguire. Different. Well, to, but Tobey Maguire made him self buff for that role. Right. And it was like, he kind of didn't play. Like, you know, the, you know, the third one's questionable, but the, the, the first two are really, really good movies. Right. You know, and, um, I, it's one of those things. It's like, I think that, Obviously, we've talked, we've talked about like the conspiracy theories of like, you know, what's his name? Like, kind of not, like, kind of sabotaging the third film because they didn't let him. That was Sam Raimi? Yeah, yeah. Like Raimi not, like sabotaging the third film, blah, blah, but whatever. But, and it, you know, it, it was what it was. Like, you know, Tobey Maguire did, did a good job, but you know, they, they've also talked about like the Spider-Verse thing and how like they're going to bring those two guys back for stuff as well. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a I, bunch of rumors about that, but none of that's been confirmed. The only thing that's actually been confirmed is that. Electro was being played by Jamie Foxx. The other stuff is not confirmed, and there's been talk about the two of them being cast for the Madness of the Multiverse. So, like, what's really happening there is still in question. Because the most recent thing I heard is the Multiverse Madness supposedly had both them cast, Garfield and McGuire. And I'm like, huh, well, that's weird, but I guess it makes just as much sense there as it does in Spider-Man, so whatever. So I guess we'll see. I mean... The Jamie Foxx thing still weirds me out, but it would make sense if they're doing a Spider-Verse movie, but I but don't know but, that either. So. Which I really enjoyed him as Electro. Like, I know he wasn't comic accurate Electro, obviously, right. but, but like, his Electro is really good. And like, I, and I, I don't say this lightly. Like, I have a friend who his kids, like, of all the Spider-Man movies, the only one they don't like to watch is the one with him as Electro, because Electro scares him. This scares his kids. And so it's like, they can want, you know, they're older now. One was a teen, almost a teenager. He's like, 11, almost 12 years old, and he, like, like Jamie Foxx's lecture still scares him. And so it's just like, he did a good job. Sure. Like, it was a good, it was, it was, it was a good role, you know what I mean? Like, well, he plays bad guy really well. Yeah, it was so good, but like, I mean, I guess, you know, if you were maybe the Sensor Six with him and Vulture and, you know, J. Jonah Jameson, like, like saying, like, oh, Peter Parker is Spider Man, and I mean, that. I mean, it could be a neat thing, you know, like, and maybe, like, they bring in, obviously, with Venom, the Venom version, all that kind of stuff, like, bring in Tom Hardy as Venom, and, like, bring him as, like, maybe, like, they're kind of villain, yeah, but, like, they weren't made him a good guy, so they can't really spin into the But also, now. but, you know, but kind of bad guy, but kind of good guy, but anti-hero that kind of helps Spider-Man out a little bit. I mean, you could bring him in, but he's never really been part of the Sinister Six. So no, I mean, exactly, but, like, that could be the person that kind of bails Spider-Man out when he needs help. Like, maybe. you could keep the anti-hero thing, but he, cause, like, he's like, I don't agree with you eating people. Right. But also, like, Well, yeah. I see more likely, if anybody's gonna be the one that actually saves him from the Sinister Six by happenstance, it'd be the Vulture. Cause he already let the kid go once. But w what we have, playing piece-wise, for a Sinister Six, if you count the Vulture, we have an introduction of Scorpion. Granted, it's a cameo and then a second cameo in the credits. Rhino. We have the, well, no. Rhino was in the last Andrew Garfield movie. He wasn't in the Tom Holland movies, so we don't have a Rhino. But we do have two different Shockers. One they killed and the other one lived. So you could do Shocker, just give him the suit. 
And if the casting Fox is Electro, he's the weirdest part only because he connects to the other movies. So unless there's a weird universe thing. No, and Mysterio didn't die. Well, Mysterio, even if they killed Gyllenhaal off, it doesn't matter because the dude in the truck at the end could easily recreate everything. Right. And we could still have Mysterio. So we could right. have Vulture, Mysterio, uh, Matt Gorgon, the Scorpion. Because those three we've already seen in things. Yeah, we don't have a Norman. As a thing, yeah. But you also don't have to follow, like, you don't have to ha- the original Century 6. You I don't want to say the that. original, but, but like, you have to be at least one but version they, of But them. they've kind of introduced Carnage already, and oh. so he could technically be a part of it. Or, spin, or maybe, I guess, but... you know, or maybe, like, do Century 6 first and then do Maximum Carnage kind of next. Maybe, I don't know. Like, there's, yeah. they could, a possibility they could, they could make the Spider Verse, like, the next big, like, MCU, like, and so they're like, oh, they're going to do Galactus, they're going to do this, and like, maybe Spider Man is going to be the next big thing. Like, are they, you know, I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, because honestly, like the original Infinity Gauntlet thing, it was it was a decent crossover. I mean, it was a big crossover and stuff, but like a lot of those characters, like you know, Iron Man wasn't that big of a role in that. Oh, you're talking about the comic books? Yeah, in the comic I mean, books, it wasn't a lister till the movies happened. Well, no, no, but like Thor so. wasn't. A, you know, a lot of those people weren't big people. It was like it was Silver Surfer, Adam Warlock, you know, things like that. Like, and I, I mean, so I mean, they can do like an MCU version, kind of a Sinister Six, and like. Maximum Carnage thing, and like maybe may, may, may that make that the new big like. I mean, it's a possibility. Like the way they're playing with Venom and the way they're playing with uh, the uh, Morbius doesn't make it look like that's going to be a case. But at the same time, we see a poster for a Spider-Man in the alleyway with Morbius swinging through or running through it, and like people have said on the internet that the poster in the alleyway is the Andrew Garfield costume. Okay, I mean, whatever. That doesn't make any sense, but it's a piece of art, too, so for all we know, it's just a photo that someone took a photo. It it doesn't really matter where the picture came from, whether the costume is exactly right or not, because for all we knew, somebody drew it. I mean, but what it says above it is wanted, and so that lines up with the idea that this fits in the current universe with Spider-Man's identity being revealed. So I guess we'll see where all that goes. I'm not saying it's impossible, I just say it's unlikely. But we have three parts of the Sinister Six that we could build from. If Electro is going to be part of that, okay, so be it. That's four. They were talking about Craven, so I, I guess we'll see. I mean, oh yeah, Craven's supposed to be played by. Um, they released that already. They did. I don't remember who. It yeah, was. I'm blanking out too, but yeah, like so. So that would give us four if you count Craven. No, five if you count Craven because we have Craven, Electro. Scorpion. Scorpion, Electra. Shocker, and uh, Vulture. So that's five. Then Venom would be six, technically. I don't think they're going to connect to Venom, but... But they're supposed to, though. That was the, that was the talk. It's like they're supposed yeah. to connect to Venomverse. Yeah, they do, they do. Because Tom Holland is signed on to do a part, be part of the Venom movie, so like... As I a mean, cameo or something, sure. Well, but you could put him in there and then like build up to that, you know what I mean? they're not going to make him a bad guy. He's already too much of a good well, guy. Well, I know, but like he could be... P- Potentially part of it at first, and then afterwards, be you know, like be that. I mean, maybe, I mean, it's a possibility, I guess. I, I find it unlikely, but we'll see. It is interesting, but then, yeah, all the other weird casting stuff with the McGuire and the and the uh, what's the other guy's name now again? Garfield. Because the but, most recent thing about that was the multiverse of madness. So, like, even that's crazy. But also, what about Ned being maybe Mysterio? I mean, I guess we could see that. It'd be a weird but then he but he knows who he is too, so it's just like Yeah. 
It's a weird term for that character. I, I, I remember seeing something earlier this week about people speculating about that. I didn't read it because I didn't care. But it's a possibility, I guess. I mean, Ned has no foothold in the comics because he doesn't exist. So, I mean, whatever. We'll see how it goes. Sure. And then last but not least, I have um, two things that are getting, like, reboots slash new versions slash... I mean, I've seen the trailer for one, but both are getting it done. Okay. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, Google it because it looks amazing and it's going to be awesome. Animaniacs. Right. They're getting a new season from uh, Hulu. And Tiny Toons. Oh, Tiny Toons is part of it too, huh? That's well, cool. there's, you know, the separate things, but they're both getting. Oh, they're doing two separate shows. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, they've always been separate shows, but they're very, they're similar style shows a little bit, right. but like, but yeah, they're both getting their own. Is it going to be on Hulu also? I'm not. I mean, I would assume because it's through Warner Brothers that okay. it's going to be part of that. But uh, um, talk to a lot of people. Animaniacs is like there's a big buzz about that, which is right. and it looks really good. And it's like they're com- like they ma- they're making the joke of them coming back after all these years, kind of thing. And like I think the brain are back, and just like, it looks the trailer looks fantastic. And right. so you know, the animation's updated, not super over the top, but good. Jokes, I think, are going to be really good. Sure. Well, that first trailer isn't the one where it's like Jurassic Park. That's what they're making fun of, right? Mm, part of it, yeah. I mean, yeah. but it keeps, but there, it, you know, it's the thing that I saw was like multiple, multiple minutes long. So it was like it just goes into the whole thing. That's cool. Like, so you guys have been gone for all. So here's this thing, and like, I don't know it looks fantastic. And then they just, I know that this isn't necessarily comic book news, but because there is a comic book of this thing, I'm going to bring it up. Um, the Saved by the Bell reboot that's coming out. Is actually like it comes out November like twenty third or something like that, and it'll be on uh the Peacock, which is the NBC network streaming right. thing. Um, they put a new trailer out today actually, and Max, the guy that was the magician that like runs the diner, okay. called the Max, the original actor. He's an actual ma- magician and stuff. He's back in it. Um, they showed Zach, um, you know Ma- Mark Paul Gosler, yeah. As the governor of California, he's back as his as himself. Kelly is his wife. She's in it again. Um, Zach or Slater is back. You know Jesse Spano, blah blah blah, right. all that stuff. But they also showed um, Mr. Dewey, who was like the nerdy teacher, who like actually plays the dad. And there's that Airborne movie, like the rollerblading movie. He was an actor in the 80s and 90s. Like if okay. you saw him. Anyway, the the actual like Mr. Dewey, like one of the one of the one of the teachers from the original Saved by the Bell that had the most ro- like roles, he was in the trailer. Um, huh. They right. still haven't shown Mr. Belding at all, which right. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, they bring a lot of people back, but they haven't shown Dennis Haskins at all. But they've kept a lot of things under wraps. So if if nobody knows, um, the funnier die website thing like they do a lot of videos like there was that there's a um, a bunch of videos made called zach morris's trash did you ever see any of those no but we've talked about it before yeah so anyway the writer on that um is one of the writers on the new series and then uh, mark paul gossler is producing it and stuff so it's like it's got a lot of credit like it looks it looks cool man like i'm pretty stoked on it but like you know china clucks the major did the comic the say by the bell um comic right and she, I mean, you know, she's part of that, which I, I thought looked really, really cool. I had the one trade. I think there's another one, but I haven't been able to find it. But um, I don't know. I'm super stoked on that because, you know, you know how I love Save by the Bell. But, sure. Um, and then they did, which I was talking to somebody today, like the uh, Cobra Kai comes out 
I think January of 2021 is what they're saying. For the season three? For season three, but season four is already being... Yeah, they, apparently they're already filming it, so... Yes, because season three's been done for forever, but I think what Netflix's whole point was to, like, when they got the rights to it, they released the first two seasons, promoted the crap out of it, and then, like... Release season three is a big deal. Build some buzz, and then so when season three... Then, like, four will be done before, so they can release it. Right. Okay, so they're they're already kind of like a leg up on everything, which is is pretty cool because I'm pretty stoked on that too. So sure, yeah, yeah. As far as reboots and all that stuff goes, my well, yeah, if you folks listen, I haven't watched the uh, Cobra Kai. You really should because it's fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. And they're saying, I mean, everything I've read, Elizabeth Shoes for sure in it. Well, that's cool. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, the only piece I had that it wasn't stuff you already went over. Um, so for Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, he's filming a uh, film that has a uh, a superhero movie that's called The Samaritan, and it's supposed to be about a hero that everybody believed died after some epic battle, and then it turns out that it's possible he's not dead, um, and like some boy finds him and I guess tries to bring him back from the brink of retirement or the brink of sadness or whatever. The couple pieces about it that I read sound really cool, and I like the idea of uh, Stallone doing a superhero movie. And it's uh, being directed by Julius Avery, who's the guy who directed uh, the Overlord movie, the one with Kurt Russell's son in it. Oh, right, the, the World the, War Two Nazi, yeah, yeah, Nazi science crazy experiment stuff in the in the basement of that what crazy you, castle. He was actually he's usually the bad guy, but he's actually really good in it. Oh yeah, well, actor, well, yeah, his son, yeah, but yeah, he's the same guy directing that, directing this, and I think that's cool. So there's that. Um, that's all I really have for news stuff, though. Yeah. Want to move on to books? Yep, let's do it. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. All right, so we're going to start with the uh, the Immortal Hulk, the uh, Thrashing Place. This is written by uh, Jeff Lemire, and the artist on it uh, is Del Mundo. Uh, as far as series is, I mean this this runs a side next to the regular Immortal Hulk, uh, so it's not. I mean, it still fits in that story, but it doesn't take place as a chapter. Um, so as it's going on, what we, we open up with Bruce Banner riding on a bus through the middle of this crazy, like, green pasture. And as he thinks to himself about the how simple and calm the world is, he thinks about himself not being able to be calm. And of course, we see, like, a reflection of himself, and it's the Hulk. And as the uh, bus travels, we get a shot of his, while well, he's having his inner monologue, we get a shot of all the people in the bus. And all their windows are like a yellowish kind of tint, yellow-green, but his is green-green. So it's like setting up a tone of, you know, the situation. It's not really green. It's green because he's the Hulk. Anyhow, so he gets off in this bus, and uh, once he he gets into town, he wants to find a newspaper. And we find out the real reason he's there is because there's been a girl, a nine-year-old girl, who's been missing for three days. And, uh... While he walks through town, he's like, I can feel the gamma radiation. I can smell it. And he's observing the town, and we, we see him sort of search around a little bit, and we get a couple of shots of the locals and, like, what pariah come out to those kind of things. There's a whole bunch of news media people, and, of course, the sheriff's giving interviews and making himself a TV celebrity doing it. And uh, Banner starts going over what else, as he's walking out into this dirt, dirt road that's leading to a farm, he, he talks about the other things they found, and the first night, after the little girl went missing, so the father, she went outside to play, father cooked dinner, 
And then we went to call her for dinner. She didn't come. And so we went and looked for her, and of course he couldn't find her, so him and a few of his friends went looking for her that night. And eventually, they heard one of the friends scream. Then when they found him, he was tore apart. Like, upper half, intestines hanging out. Gross. And so they found his body, and one of the men says he saw a creature running into the woods. And initially, the father, who had his friend with him in the first place, dismisses being a bear, because he get bears in that area. And uh, so the town just kept moving and searching for the girl, but as a thing, they discounted this idea of a monster. And then a couple other people claim they saw a monster, and so Banner's out there, and he finds this spot in the middle of this, I don't know, sort of a field, and it's all hollowed out like, almost like a crop circle. And uh, he's like, yeah, you can, I can smell the gamma radiation here, and it's crazy. This is a monster, isn't just a regular monster, it's, it's something else. And so he follows the gamma radiation trail and eventually leads to this fence that's got a crazy big sign on it that says, A Cow's County, Experimental Farm Government Property, No Trespassing. And of course, in the fence, there's a giant spot that's been ripped through. Uh, about that time, he looks on the ground and he sees this little hair clip. It's got a smiley face on it, like a flower with a smiley face. And he picks that up and then from behind, he, he hears a voice that tells him, that calls at him is like, what the hell are you doing here? And he turns around and here's the father, who he's seen in the papers, with a shotgun pointed at his face. He's like, what are you doing on my property? And he's like, oh, it's not what you think. Like, I'm, I'm out here trying to help. And he calls him by name. And of course, the man's like, how do you know my name? He's like, well, from the newspapers. Uh, I'm here trying to help. You know, I figured I could try to help find your daughter. And about that time, the old man sees the hair clip in his hand. And he full-on, like, uses the rifle's gun butt to whack Banner in the face. Jumps on top of him, starts whooping him. And about that time, the police show up. And they yell at the man to put the gun down. And they take Banner and they put him in handcuffs and ask him what he's doing out there. And Banner's like, why aren't you guys really investigating what you need to be investigating? And uh, they send the, the father home. And then the officer, the, the same one we saw on TV earlier, Asked Banner if he has a lawyer that they want him to call. He's like, no, I don't have a lawyer. Can't afford a lawyer. He's like, oh, that's good. And he punches him in the stomach and smacks him in the face and stuffs him in the back of the car. And Banner kind of blacks out after he got hit, like, this time. Because he wakes up and he's in the jail cell. And he's like, I smell popcorn. And a deputy that was with the officer before, a big, burly-looking, heavyset guy who... It has yoga written on all over him, really. Is eating popcorn in the jail next to the, the, the cells. So very yokel prison style. And he's like, oh yeah, you want some, you want some popcorn? And Banner's like, no, I, you need to let me out of here. He's like, oh yeah, let me just go get the keys. <laughs> he's like, no, no, you need to get the sheriff. You don't understand, you need to do it now. And like, the dude's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And about that time, Banner's like, you don't understand what we're looking for. You have to let me out before he takes over, because once he gets here, you're going to regret it. He's like, he who? And about that time, we hear a crazy, like, sounding crunch, and the building itself sort of shakes. And Banner looks at the dude, and he says, you need to let me out now, or you need to run. And about that time, he turns to the Hulk, which happens in a pretty gross kind of way, the way they draw it. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty gross. Um, it's kind of awesome, but it's gross. And of course, the Hulk tears down the gate and the, the the cell gate, 
He grabs the dude, and he, so he's got a hold of him and the popcorn. He's like, don't say he didn't warn you. Banner's asking the wrong questions. And the man's like, what are you talking about? He's like, how long did you know they were doing government testing over there? So this this Hulk is the immortal Hulk, and he's he's a little more rough and tumble. Um, and he's not slow or not dumb. He's aggressive and smart. So he uh, he tells Nathaniel, only asking one more time. He's like, I, I don't know anything. And about that time, he squeezes the dude until he pops, um, including his head, which is shielded by the popcorn, which is pretty well done art-wise. It's actually freaking awesome. Um, and of course, from there, the Hulk smashes out the front building of the police department, and he heads back to the farm. And as he's stomping through the woods, getting out there, Eventually, he runs into this other giant-looking monster thing that's very fleshy and very scully and has all these veins off it and crazy claws. And he's like, oh, I don't know how you snuck up on me. And the thing bites him, so he smashes it in the ground. And as he's, like, fighting it, we realize the Hulk's not throwing punches. He's holding it. And he's like, I know what you are. I, I know what you really are. You need to give me the gamma. You need to let me have the radiation. And we get this cool image where we see, like, a silhouetted-out little girl. And it turns out the monster, the thing's been killing all these people, is actually the girl. And so he tells her he can see her inside there. And she's like, I can see you too. And he tells her, give me the gamma radiation, let me take it. And so we see all this like flesh and gross monster leak off her into him. And by the end of it, he's holding her sitting, standing on the river. And about that time we get joined by the uh, father. And he's like, Rebecca? Uh, uh, Rebecca? And the Hulk gives her to him, and he tells him, you need to get as far away from here as you can. Once they realize what she is, you're gonna, it's going to be a problem. I have someone to take care of. And he turns around, and he walks off into the swamp. And the, Hulk, the guy's like, Wait, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go smash some stuff. And from there, the Hulk returns to the government property. And inside, we find a bunch of scientist types in hazmat suits. In a crazy room full of grow lights with giant tomatoes and giant asparagus, just giant corn. So what they've been doing, and as the Hulk shakes them down, we find out that they've been growing crazy crops using gamma radiation without any answer to anyone about it, without warning the people about it. And of course, now it's gotten into the food stores for these people, and what's caused this to happen. And so he's got one of the guys, and he's he's asking him some more questions. And at that point, he's like, "Did you? Why didn't you warn any of these people?" And he's got the dude in the same position where he popped the, sh the other sheriff's head off. And the dude's like, "Oh, please, please! I have a family. I have a family." And he looks through part of one of the walls he smashed, and we see this what looks like a water bowl. And next to the water bowl is one of the other little pins that Rebecca had for her hair. So the happy face little uh, flower. And he, the Hulk just snaps and squeezes the dude till it pops inside his suit. It's Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah. they had the girl, and they were feeding her like a monster in this room. Letting her be what she was without telling anyone where she was. Anything, like, at all. And so we see a shot of the father carrying the daughter home. And it's going to be daylight now. And the Hulk's in there just wrecking everything. Like, wrecking a bunch of suits, wrecking a bunch of dudes in hazmat costumes and uh eventually we get to the end of him wrecking everything 
and we rejoin the man and his daughter at home. And Hulk looks up in the sky, and he realizes it's time for me not to be Banner anymore. Something else has been going on in the Immortal Hulk is that the Hulk only turns into the Hulk after dark. Very horror story werewolf style. And so we've hit the end of Banner's time as the Hulk because the sun is rising. So he turns back into Banner. Well, Banner walks to the farm, and here he shows up with his clothes all tore up, you know, stretched out and all crazy. And he goes and sees old mate, the, the father, and he sits down with him on the porch, and he tells him, you're going to have to leave with her, but you can't let them... Once they've realized what she's become and what she what she was, they're never going to let her escape. And he looks at him and he goes, is this how it is for you all the time? And Banner looks at him as he hands him back this cup of coffee that says Dad on it. He says no, because she has you. And he walks out of the scenario. After telling the man, of course, he needs to get her away from there, and they need to hide, they need to relocate, they need to live somewhere else. And uh, the old man looks at his daughter, and we get some more cool inner dialogue stuff for Bruce as he wanders off. So it's very like the old TV show, if you ever saw the 70s, 80s TV show of the Hulk, where like he stumbles into scenarios and fixes problems, and then off he goes because he can't have a normal life. It's written so well. Um, the art is fantastic. As far as monsters and dudes' heads getting popped, it's awesome. Um, Score-wise, I mean, I give it a four. It's really good. Um, all the inner monologue stuff. Like, Jeff Meyer's a great great writer. Artist-wise, I'm not a fan of his art when he draws things. But, as a writer, the dude's fantastic. And, like, all this stuff here where we get the play between how it is for the daughter and how it is for the Hulk and how the things are different. And, like, the closing where he's like, no, she has you. Like, her life's going to be very different, because I had nobody. It's awesome. It's so well done. And, like, the pacing and the art where we see, like, like the green window. It's subtle things that are, like, they're just there for us as the audience, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I give it four. I think it's fantastic. Um, it is a one-off from a regular series, but as a, as a one-off, even if you don't read the regular series, it's still a good piece to read. Um, Josh, do you know anything about the, uh, thrashing place? I do, you know, I do, I, I actually love the art in this. Um, my question, like, I'm not, I'm not super up on the Hulk. So basically this version of Hulk is, he only comes out at night. Correct. Okay. So that or was, that, we, that's or, where I was kind of like, oh, kind of confused because like, I didn't remember that being a thing, but, um. He didn't used to be during this particular time frame. The there's only, been different things and different changes and all right. that. The only time he really turns into the Hulk in this particular series of things is either once he gets killed, so say he stops in front of a bus, or after uh, the sun goes down. So very, like, werewolf rules for that. Or death. So, you know, if he gets killed, he turns into the Hulk. And see, in, in this one, like, I really liked the art. It was very storybooky. It almost reminds me. I mean, yeah, you're right on the aspect of the um, the original Hulk TV show. Like sure. It kind of has that, like he's he's wandering. He's like kind of like on a, a journey to find himself and kind of make peace with himself to kind of help tame the Hulk and blah blah blah. Which was like the whole point of the original series, right? Is it always kind of ends with him walking into the distance, you know? But um. With this one, like it, it almost makes a storybooky. Like I, it's like really warm and um, inviting. Like you know, I know. Like it's a different feel for the Hulk, which is cool because the Hulk is obviously very like abrasive and angry and 
big well, and massive and it's a different style of so of I, story do, I, I do like the art a lot I, I like the art a lot in this one um you and me have different take takes none I mean I, I wouldn't even say taste but we have different takes on the art like sometimes like sometimes you agree sometimes we're exact opposites in this one like for some reason I just I, I kind of like the warmth of like it's almost painted. It's like almost a paint. A paint. Oh, the style of art too. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's what I mean. Got a really cool look. I mean, there's um, even when it's being gross and like, it's still really awesome art. So right, but I mean, like you were just saying, you're not the biggest fan of his art, but like, oh no, Jeff Lemire, different thing. Oh, this is Del Mundo that did the art. Uh, Jeff Lemire's the guy who wrote the book. He also draws things. Oh, okay. Jeff okay, Lemire's okay. Gotcha, art. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, uh, sorry. No, that's, that, no, you're good. I, I I didn't really need to mention that. I just. Yes, I was just like, ah, I really like the art in this book. I was kind of confused. Um, <laughs> totally different guy. I gave it a three seven five. Like, um, I know, maybe in a four. I give it a four, probably. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, as I flipped through it and to see, like, just the, like even like the, the the shadows on the faces and like the, I mean, most of the time I I, I go off uh, like writer first, sure, and then art follows. But like with this one, like the the writing was good. It was the writing was fantastic, but like it just then it goes like the art afterwards, like the emotionality of 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 the book, like just like you know even like this this last scene with like the dad and like the how the light shining on his face right here, yeah, and like, like his eyes and everything. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just it's fantastic. Like it just I was I was I was so it was it was good. It was so good. Like I get, I get, I give it a solid solid four. I guess I would go solid four for sure. So sure. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, Mike Del Mundo is an awesome artist. Um, so is this like a like? Is this is just a one shot? Or are they going to do like kind of yeah. like this is a thing where they? Just, it's just a one shot. It, oh. There's a side to the regular series as far as a book. Because um, sometimes I feel like books need like there's certain books like like this the Hulk in this aspect where sometimes a book would be just be cool if like there is just ever just like one issue books of just like every book is another story and then it ends and so it's just like like a tv show you know what i mean and every once in a while you get a two-parter but most of the time sometimes i think that like well there are some things that are done in a uh in a episodical fashion this is like it's basically like an annual i mean that's kind of what annuals are right so some, a lot of times annuals do have like multiple stories in them so too so sure. there's, there's that as well but my thing is sometimes like Man, you're like, oh, I read this book, and then like, oh, I gotta read nine more books, and I gotta read this side books, and I gotta read this thing. So it's like, and 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 it is that's fine, that's fine to an extent. But sometimes it's cool just to have a book that's just like, it's just this, sure, you know, and and like you know, and you don't have. I know there is an excitement for the next week. And I was explaining to somebody about comic books earlier this week about how, so. Is it like a complete story, or do you have to like wait till the next week a TV show? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. Just depends on the book. Yeah, but on the other hand, like, even if like this issue and you know how this issue ends and it wraps itself up and he's on to the next thing, and each week is a different kind of adventure, I would still be excited to read another issue of that. Like they did a part two to this kind of thing, right? Like, not, I mean, not even like a part two, but just like. Next episode, next episode. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's sometimes I think that's a neat. That's a neat. We haven't seen that for a long time because like a lot of comic companies, indies do it to an extent, but indies are like, hey, we got like a five book run or a three book run or, you know, whatever. But when it comes to like the the big the big guys, like they're like, okay, we we have this character, we have 
Green Lantern, and we have to, like, you know, like, this guy's writing it, but then it's crossing over with this, and but it's, like, uh, this massive arc, but then after, or we're going to do, like, seven issues of this way, but then we're going to do this little miniseries called this, and then go back into, like, and we're going to call it, like, Acts 2 or whatever. It's, you know, it can't ever just be, like, issue number one is issue number one, and it's the Hulk versus this thing, and then he's, he goes on this adventure, and Bruce goes on this you know, deals with this one town, this little girl, and, you know, and then the next issue is going to be something different. And as a writer, it's going to force you to be more creative because you're not, you're not, you're not kind of trying to stretch out one villain over six issue arc. It's going to force you to be creative every single time. And I think that maybe that that's like people. I see what you're saying. I I think it would be neat if they, that if that could be a thing. You know what I mean? They did something it's, sort of like that with, uh, the Star Wars uh, Age of the Empire stuff. I don't know Age of the Empire, Age of the Republic. But they did a bunch of one-shots, and one was about... every. All the different characters had a bunch of one-shots. Now, granted, not everyone got them, but a majority of our name characters, like main characters, got one-shot stories. And while they're part of a series, they're all number ones. I think... Well, see, but that's again, that's different. That's the danger of that. But that's the difference, though. It's like... This could just be like... So issue two would be another story, you know, like a separate story. Hulk the Thrashing Place would be like... Or it could just be the Immortal Hulk episode, you know, like what, whatever right. it's called. It's neat to have, like, you don't have to be so invested that, like, you don't have to, like, you can pick up issue seven and be like, oh, that was a fun issue. I wonder what happens next. I wonder what the next issue is like. Right. Because it's, it's just a TV show. It's not like, you know, I'm like, you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? No, I feel what you're saying. Cause each, cause each, some books each issue it. would be their own, their own It's kind of like the Twilight issue. Zone, like. Yeah. Or, you know, like... X-Files, Twilight Zone, both did it. You know, like, you know, um, you have the same character, basically, but then everything else regular, is kind of different. Regular... Because he's on he's on this journey to find himself kind of thing, which is sure. which is neat, because that's kind of Banner's thing. Yeah, we might, you know, we might get something like that. I I'm, it, it's... I thought... I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought that was really cool. Sure. So. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's not a lot to do that, but as a thing, I think the danger with that for a company like Marvel would be, or even DC, is that we would have... 30 number ones, and I that's what I think would happen with that. And I would hate that so much because it makes it impossible to understand. But it's hard for people to understand episodic books anyway. I mean, Rick and Morty did like 50 issues, I think. And yeah, there were some that connected to each other, but most of them were one-and-done stories. As long as you understand Rick and Morty are crazy world-traveling space guys, you're pretty much okay. So, but that is a hard concept for people to understand. I do like how this book did it. I do kind of wish we had a series like this. It was just like the old show, except modernized or whatever, because I think that'd be really cool. So you could read number four and this one, and then this till number ten if you wanted to. But I don't think I don't think that's something we'll see anytime soon. But it was really cool. All right, so uh, move on to the uh, to the next book. We'll do the uh, this is a Sea of Stars issue seven from uh, from uh, Image Comics. Um, this is uh, written by uh, Dennis Hollum and uh, Jason Aaron, so it's a duo writers. And we got uh, artists on it is Rico Ren- Renzi and uh, Stephen Green. Uh, this is the issue seven in the series. When we first open up, like uh, we start off in well, we're in space, of course. The whole base of the story is we've had a father searching for his son out in space. Uh, Gil. His son went into sea in space, and this particular child is able to fly through space, which is kind of weird, but 
Uh, Caden is the kid. And when we first open up, we are joined by a batch of uh, comet space monkeys that are jumping around between these giant space boulders. And while that's going on, we see some of the, uh, what looked to be aquatic life flying through space. And uh, we have this narrator explaining, like, things that have happened to his father. And when we finally join him, he's sitting there looking at his father's space helmet, while the space helmet is recounting the events that have happened to make his dad and now be the one missing. And what his dad's gone through to get to him to find him in space. And as he's talking to him, he's he keeps asking the helmet questions, and the helmet keeps answering all the different ways that crazy things in space happen. And up to this point, the boy's just been having fun flying around through space being lost. And now he's realized that there's lots of ways you can die in space. And he's become worried about his father. And uh, the helmet, every once in a while, will, when the boy asks him about something being dangerous, the helmet will tell him, oh, you want me to re recant to you the different ways you could die? Starting from the easiest way to die, getting to the hardest way to die? And he, the, the helmet itself, like, is is named Kyle, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, the boy's in the process of doing that, and the helmet finally tells him that his father's probably still alive. And uh, he's... we At that point, we want to be joined by a girl named Dollop. And Dollop is one of the uh, space people the boy encountered and he thought was her friend, or his, his friend. And it turns out the truth was that Dollop was originally going to give him over to her high priest of her people, to steal his power, his ability to fly through space and the kid's inner inner light power, the shaman was going to steal. And she knew he was going to do it, but uh, when we got to the point of it actually happening, she decided to save him instead. So even though it was her fault he was there, which this is the first he's realized that, she couldn't go through with it because she knew it was wrong. And at that point, he story starts to fight her a little bit because he's finally realized that everything she's told him and everything she's led to him was a lie. That she lied to him getting there, that she lied to him about kind of everything. And so we get a lot of conversation between the two of them um, as this is revealed to him. And uh, in the process of him getting upset and yelling at her, we see his eyes start glowing. And that kind of freaks her out for a second. Then he completely turns blue and smashes this, this rock, sending pieces of flying everywhere. And then he kind of passes out for a second. And uh, at that point in time, the helmet tells both of them, even though he's sort of passed out, that uh, at this point they really want to try to pay attention to the comet monkeys because now they become aware of them, and uh, there's a lot of ways to die by comet monkeys. And of course, Dala starts freaking out, and uh, the helmet tells her, do you want me to recant to you the different ways you can die by comet monkeys? And so she starts to fight the monkeys. From there we flash to a, a different tribe of people, and they're in the process of uh, going through a temple and reading through a batch of different uh, scripts and trying to decide what they're going to do to hunt down the boy. They're basically building a war party to send after him is what they're doing. And uh, we we cover quite a bit of quite a bit of ground in there, conversation-wise, between the High Shaman and the Space Monkeys and all the different little animals. And then eventually we find that in one of the other caves, well, here's Gil, the, the boy's father. And, uh, He's still in the process of trying to hunt his son. He has no idea that his son is believes that he's missing. And uh, he's realized also that he's being held in this cave against his will. So, as far as the chase is concerned, the both of them are now hunting for each other. 
and Gil in the process of uh, taking control of this giant flying like they look like um whales is what they look like. He uh he winds up taking control of that one and shepherding it to fly it. And uh as far as like a thing, it's really kind of crazy because he's driving it like you would drive a horse with like reins. Then we cut back to Dala, and she's in the process of fighting the monkey still. She uppercuts one, and then uh, the, as the helmet's still talking to her, she's like, shut up, you're, you're making it harder on me. And so she kicks the helmet, and it winds up hitting one of the other monkeys. And the monkey grabs it and like looks inside of it, and then uh, the helmet shocks the monkey, which is hilarious. Um, initially, like, whenever the boy passed out, Dala's like, we have to do something to wake him up. And Helmet's like, I can shock him. Because Helmet has two functions, to recount time and recount events, and to shock you. So, apparently it's one of his normal functions, which is hilarious. Anyway, it shocks the crap out of this monkey. And, uh, afterwards Dala looks around and she realizes that all the monkeys have been beaten. And about that time, Kyle wake or er, Kayan wakes up. And, uh, she's, she's pretty wrecked, and she winds up passing out. And so that leaves him to try to take care of her, because, I mean, she's been beaten up by his monkeys for however long they were fighting. And, uh, had he not had his outburst, none of these things in space would have paid attention to him. And we get to the end of it, and as she's laying there passed out, he's like, I don't know what to do now. Like, what am I supposed to do? And that's kind of where we wrap the book, to be continued. So, as far as the thing, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dialogue that goes on in this book between the two characters and realizing who's telling who's been lying to who and what's really been happening between the whole group of them. The main thing we're supposed to take away from it is up until this point, he's had a fun time just flying through space, getting in adventures, and now he's realized that how dangerous space is, and so both him and the father are on a path to try to find each other finally, whereas before the father was only hunting for him. So. It, it's it's got a really cool kind of fun art style. Uh, as far as like the creatures in space, I mean, the I can't remember what the whales are called. They have a name, but I don't remember what they're called. And like the space monkeys, they just look they look awesome. I mean, they're they're yeah, they're really cool looking. Um, if you like sci fi stuff, I mean, it's a it's a father son story, so very sci fi. Oh yeah, even I mean, in the, obviously in the art as well, but like. Sometimes you do like a sci-fi story, and like the art doesn't necessarily reflect it. Yeah, but this is this is a good one. Like score-wise, I don't know. I give it I give it a two and a half. Like it's it's a it's a pretty fun little story. I think by itself, it's a little more rough because if you if you aren't previously aware of the previous six issues, you don't know everything. But this particular one kind of gives you pieces at the beginning to explain what the father's been through trying to find his son. And it's like a kid that got away at the grocery store. It's all fun games until you realize Dad's not there. But also with like the like the Native American looking. Less well, a doll and her her people are very so like even yeah, though we're in the future, but, it's but kind of it, weird. But it's like sci-fi mixed with like Native American. It's, it's kind of like Western ah movies. yeah, it's 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 kind of a weird like mix. It's like I feel like sometimes they try and put like oh peanut butter and jelly is delicious, but if you throw like. Raisins in it. Not everybody's gonna like the raisins. <laughs> That's true. That's kind of how I felt about. It. So I give, I get, I give it two. I give it two and a half as well. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's been a pretty fun series. I mean, it, if you if you're a sci-fi fan, I, I think you'll like it. Um, so yeah, I mean, give it a try. Uh, so we'll move on to. So we either move on to Flash or we can move on to uh, Spawn. 
You want to do Flash, Josh? Let's do Flash. Okay, that'll change the order up a little bit. Let's go and do Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this Flash issue at Flash number 764, right. because they've obviously readjusted the numbers. Yeah, when we hit the uh, 700 mark, they uh, they decided to do, do a Flash. Oh, no, 800. It was 800. No, seven, they hit 700. 700, they jumped the numbers forward. What was it, 750? Now, uh, maybe shoot. I don't remember. I don't know. Well, they it was like seven fifty. That's they, right. They re, they stopped numbers and then redid them. Yeah, and they yeah. went back. Like you know how DC does things. Giant size. The giant size issue seven fifty. That's right. It was seven fifty. Ridiculousness. Yeah. Regardless. So I'm gonna preface this. I'm not the biggest Barry Allen fan, but I do love the Flash. I've always loved the Flash as a character. But my, my Flash will always be Wally West. Right. Just the way that I am. But I do like this book a lot. So this book is written by Kevin Shinnick, and it's. Drawn by Will Conrad. So, no, neither of those names are like super. Like, you know, a lot of times we, we run across a lot of the same names, like intermittent, but these are two names I didn't recognize like I normally do. Right. But, um, starts out with him, like Barry and his wife in the kitchen, and, uh, is it Iris? Says? Um, yeah. Right, so, and they're in the kitchen, and He's talking about getting the flash ring back, which keeps his suit in the in the ring, and he's like so stoked that he finally has it back. Um, um, she's like, "Well, I got you this thing, like, and speaking of rings and thinking of things, and like, I got you." And before you, and then all of a sudden, he's just like sees on the news that um, Doctor Alchemy has escaped from Iron Heights and turning the walls into molten lava, and he's he's gone before she even can finish saying anything. And yeah. so. She's talking about for a second. It must be nice to have a ring you never want to take off. Well, she has one. She's, she's looking at her own hand. Right. And so then it shows next to um, Dr. Alchemy with the Philosopher's Stone. And which, and so, first and foremost, depending on who's listening to this, Philosopher's Stone isn't just a Harry Potter thing. Oh, no. There's a whole series of anime movies that use it, too. Right. <laughs> but it's actually a thing in, in alchemy, which alchemy is like. Basically, the science of magic. Right. If you, if, I guess that's the best way to describe it to me. Um, so it's like in the old days, alchemists were people who wanted to. The philosopher's stone was the thing that they wanted to. It's the ultimate thing that could turn any thing into anything. So like, it it, it could take a a, a your ordinary rock and turn it into gold because you you have basically mastered the ability of elements and so that's that's the whole point of uh the philosopher's stone so um dr alchemy has escaped from prison and um usually all barry has to do is take the stone away from him and he loses all power obviously um but with this one he's he turned it into like a big like knuckle fist like uh ring holder thing so like it's it's gonna be more difficult to get off of something just like a necklace or him holding it or something it's like more like a fist pack yeah it's more attached to him but i mean he calls it a ring obviously right. but like it's it's so he's walking out and like turning bullets into whatever and just like talking trash to the guards and just doing his thing like just basically controlling everything because he can control like um all elements at their basic molecular level and uh, he's like, all of a sudden, he he's like, oh, so I can see the, the the bullets aren't moving the way they're supposed to, so we're not alone. He he swipes his hand and he turns Wally's mask, which is made of um, mercury, which I don't know if we've ever really talked about what 
the suit is made out of, which I thought was interesting. I don't really remember if that was But and he's like, oh, clever. Um, that um, did I say Wally? But I meant Barry. Barry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, that he's like, oh, want. It's 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 really clever of you to like oh Mercury like the you know like the god of speed and blah 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 and you're you know that's what your suit's made out of and he like basically there's burning Barry's face and Barry can heal really quick obviously and right. he also can like he got it off him fast enough and he starts vibrating his face so it could like hide his identity but he's like um starts talking about how like Mercury. Does the thing where like it drove people insane. That's like Mad Hatter came from all that kind of stuff. And uh, like basically just saying all these things to Barry, like like thinking that Barry doesn't know anything. But if if you don't, if nobody knows that Barry is a crime scene investigator, well, he's also a so he's a CSI. Yeah, but so he's, he's really but, smart. But he's a chemist. Yeah. Ultimately, deep down, he's a chemist, so he knows chemistry. He knows all the things. So Dr. Alchemy is turning the bullets into different things and changing it to like the guards can't, they can't do anything to him because he has control over the whole situation. But, uh, Barry kind of, kind of figures out, punches him and gets in there and takes him by surprise and starts spinning his arms and like to, cause like he's turning the bullets into gases to, to kill the guards and things like that. So like Barry like figures out what's going on. And then he, right before he's getting pulled off, um, he turns like, the concrete into water, and so like he's like, I'm fine underwater. I can move just as fast underwater. It doesn't matter to me. But like the guards, are just, like, so he's so obviously he's worrying about like the people involved and like the saving the guards because they're yeah, like the, like the innocent lives. Yeah. And so by 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 saving the lives, it gets Doctor Alchemy a chance to get away. And so he goes home and he's talking to his wife, and uh, his wife wants to go to the Middleman expedition uh, or exhibition. Which is like, um, the Metal Men, if you don't know, they're a superhero team made up of gold and silver, silver and, and all uh, different, different things. Yeah. But, uh, but she wants to go to the, the exhibition, like a, it's an art exhibition of some sort. And, and she's like, Hey, so, and he, and he's, he's on the internet doing research on, the philosopher's stone to try to figure out some more some more details on it, what's going on with it, and he knows that exists. So like, there's it makes it even more real. And uh, and she's like, well, maybe you should call Batman because he's like, and she, he's like, I can figure this out on my own because you know, because <laughs> yeah. well, the Flash, you know, Flash is kind of a cocky guy. Yeah. It, and it, it doesn't matter which Flash. Yeah, they're all kind of they're all kind of have yeah. this cockiness about them. Sure. Um. But he, and, but but he, and he's and she's like, maybe you should call Batman. She's like. And he said, you know, you do remember, I, I am a member of the Justice League, you know that, right? <laughs> and, uh, so he starts going into some research about, like, the different, like, um, Zosimos and Parcelsalus and different sorcerers and things that are, like, they figure things out and, um. The people that have the philosophy yeah, before. in the past. Yeah. And basically come, what he comes down to is that, like, he he figures out that he wants to absorb the power of the stone, so he doesn't have to carry it. He wants it in his body, and if he can do that, he'll be pretty much unstoppable. He's like, I got to try and figure out how to stop him. But he's like, um, she's like, well, cool, maybe um, we can go see the Metal Men exhibit some other time. And then she's like, wait, that's it. The Metal Men are created by Will Magnus using something called responsive meters and he turned elements like gold, lead, iron, platinum, and mercury into an elite current for any team. If Will is related to the Simon Magus or Magus, 
whatever you want to say it. I think it's um, Magus, but yeah. It would explain how he was able to do something related to the Philosopher's Stone to create his response meter, not to mention his slight name change to distance himself from the infamous sorcerers. The infamous sorcerer. So, like, it's it's connecting the metal, metal man to the to the old, to the sorcerer also to, to Doctor Alchemy, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So, which is kind of crazy. I don't know if that was a thing before or not, but so I almost wonder is this going to be another what's what's the bad guy from the Justice League, uh, International? Uh, he's going to be in the new Wonder Woman. Oh, uh, his name. Uh, it'll come back to me. He's not Lex Luthor. He's Lex Luthor is the main bad guy. He's a lot like Lex Luthor. He's but, he, but, but he was a good around. guy for years though. Yeah, but then now he's a bad guy because he's the one that shot. Uh, Blue Beetle in the head. Oh, Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord. That took Is this going to be a new Maxwell Lord thing? Where they're going to turn like a good guy into a bad guy? I don't. Th- I mean, the professor's always been questionable. But I don't think so. I mean, there is a uh, Metalman miniseries going on right now that it was the last thing Dan DeDio was actually working on um, prior to his separation from DC. So maybe I don't know in that book. I don't feel like in that book anything's gotten that crazy, but. I mean, I guess it could lead to something like that. I mean, right. the metalmen themselves are all. Well, they're independent things, but also, yeah. like, I don't know, like, anyway. Interesting thought. Yeah. But, so anyway, Barry's just like, all right, well, I figured out, so I gotta get to the museum. Well, tell like, him he needs to go to the museum next because of the connection. Because yeah. he's like, I, you know, thanks for, thanks, honey, for figuring it out for me, because I, I didn't need Batman. I said, life. <laughs> and so he goes there. Because he knows that, like, Dr. Alpine's going to come there to try and take the responsometers. And he's there, and, you know, Dr. Alpine shows up and turns all the walls into glass. Cause he's like, I want everybody to see, like, you fail. And he's like, oh, is it just because you want to see it? Make, you just want to be cool because everybody can see you fly now. And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to sh- trick him. I'm going to show him that I can do the same thing with him. And I can show him that my, my ability to, like, turn gla- melt glass and all this stuff because like, I'm just as smart as him. Because like, this whole time Barry's just like, I'm just as smart. I can figure this out. I can, I can, I can do it without any help. And like, so he knows how to like, the speed that he's, he needs to run and like to turn, like to melt the glass and make it to like, not hurt the people as the guy breaks through the glass and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so something changes though. He like, he claps his hands to change um, the the heat in the room, some sort of basically, Doctor Alchemy connects to the Speed Force somehow, which is confusing to me. But like, he does something. He uses, I mean, there's some equation that he uses, and w- which we do know. There's I a mean, speed equation. Yeah, Wally and Barry and you know Bart and and Jay, they don't need. The equation, but Jesse Quick and Max use the equation to right. connect to the speed force. Yeah, they connect. And so there is some sort of scientific equation. I don't know if maybe that connects to it somehow. Maybe I don't know enough to know that. But um, but he's saying this is the moment. Whatever he hopes to do to me has to be exact in order to create the proper chemical transmutation. But if I alter any part, that equation should fail, especially if I expose it to an intensely high level of electrical heat. And then he shoots up. He's like, I, it worked. I kept him from altering my composition. I think he was going to like, he was thinking Dr. Alchemy was going to change his, his composition like chemically. But what he did was like, he tries to run and he can't run anymore. Like, so his connection to the speed force is gone. And then Dr. May hits him really, really, really hard in the stomach. 
And he's like, let's be honest, we both know I can alter the air in this place and create a raging inferno that you'd be helpless to stop. I'm not going to do that. Granted, it would be devastating and thousands of people would lose their lives, but then fires would eventually die out. Whereas this image of you not being able to catch me live on forever. You'll be burned to their minds forever. And so the Flash no longer has a connection to Speed, speed force. force. Which is absolutely insane and a really cool issue. Because it's like, it's a classic Flash issue. Again, something that's like, I, f- I feel like is a connection to like things that we talked about tonight where like, sometimes it's nice just to have a book that's just like, oh, it goes from one book to the next. And it's just kind of just like, you know, not everything has to be this massive crossover. And oh. we, and we do know that right now, which is, which is amazing. The speed metal things going on, the Flash, you know, like Wally and everybody has a big massive part in that. But like, this is just a cool issue of the Flash. Versus a really cool villain. Versus, like, you know, a very in- interesting situation. You know, hopefully, you know, somebody comes in new to help with, like, Batman next issue. I don't know what's going to go on. Like, it's just, it's neat. Like, I, I, it's, it's going back to basics. But sometimes, like, sometimes back to basics is awesome. So, um, most of the regular books play in their own time frame. They don't always cross over. But, I mean, we've been doing big event books, so that does make that more of a blurred line, but. Generally speaking, most of them do their own thing. Uh, you got a score for that book, Josh? I give it a four, man. It was solid. It's really, really good. I liked the art in it. You know, I liked the story. I liked the villain. The villain is very like he might he may he may have appeared multiple times before. I don't know, but it's kind of like the Doctor Light situation back in in, in Infinite, uh, Identity Crisis. They just don't get used very much. They're ones that were just like, yeah, they're kind of whatever. But like this this villain is really neat. He could do some cool stuff, you know, like. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I actually listened to a podcast about alchemy the other day, so that the philosophers don't came up. So I was just like, oh, I kind of had an idea what was going on with that. It's funny, and it was like it's you know it's a thing across like multiple, oh yeah, multiple sects, sects, s e c s e c t s sects of, um, you know, science and religion and things like that. Like it's kind of where like science and religion meet is what alchemy is supposed to be. Kind of, I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier, but mm. I don't know. It was a cool, it was a cool issue. Like, I'm not the biggest Barry Allen fan, but I really like the story and I like his cockiness. It, I, that's the one thing I do like is like, Wally isn't afraid to ask for help. Wally's a little more humble. Just like Kyle's a little more humble. They live in like, they're the newer hero. They're like, hey, like, we can't do this alone kind of thing. But like, the Silver Age heroes, Hal and, you know, Barry and those kind of guys are like, they, they have this kind of like attitude about them. They're like, they're just bravado. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they got to prove it on their own kind of thing. It's just like, well, kids got friends who are amazing. Like, why don't you help them? They're like, I got it. Alone <laughs> kind of thing, which I think is cool. So, right. Well, yeah. Score wise, I get a three and a half. Like, the arts, I really like the cover because it has the whole like periodic table kind of designed in a, in a cool, like, I don't know. What's the, uh, painting, the, the eternal man? No. Vitruvian. Vitruvian man. Yeah kind of look to it, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, again, the pick the villain that we don't see a lot. I don't feel like we don't see him super often. The last issue used Trickster, and like that was pretty cool too. So we're getting a batch of the rogues we don't see all the time. It's not just Captain Cold again, so that's cool. But yeah, three and a half. That's what, yeah, score-wise. I do, like, the cover is actually really, really rad. Yeah, like, it's cool. Like, in this day and age, like, sometimes covers are like, other times they're like, oh, that's a really rad cover. And then same with like internally, like like the cover's rad, but then they get internally like, man, that's, that's weak. 
But this one's like, it's pretty cool. So. Right on. Uh, let's move on to the next book. So, uh, looking at Spawn number 310. This is, uh, from Image Comics. And, uh, of course, it's, it's written by Tom McFarlane. I mean, that's been going on for a minute now. And, uh, the artist on it is, uh, Jim Muniz. And, like, it's, it's been in and out. They've been, they used a bunch of different artists recently on a bunch of different things. And, like, uh, just a little bit of a precursor. What's been going on in this, this particular storyline for Spawn is that we have a batch of demons that have been impersonating humans and, like, living sort of normal human lives in order to get things done to cause problems. Um, and so when we first open up, we're inside of a science lab, and we've got a lady looking through a pair of, uh, not binoculars, microscope, that's what it is, uh, studying a, what looks to be, like, a weird red vial of liquid. And it tells us that they're in the Hague in the Netherlands. And, uh, there's been a recent outbreak, and this is very topical of the current time, just because the way the world is shaped right now with the whole COVID thing, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, but apparently there's been a crazy outbreak of an unknown virus, and that science is trying to build a virus to try to fix it. And they've been trying for the past year to figure out something that works on it. And they finally, finally reached it. And we see a whole bunch of different scientists and a whole bunch of different, like, sciencey pieces. One of the scientists winds up handing this vial to to our lead scientist lady, and she's like, oh, this is amazing. You check the data, it all works? And they're like, yeah, it's 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 a, it's the answer. It's awesome. And so she, she tells them, okay, I'm going to take it up top. Let's get our data, and we'll go and turn it in so we can get everybody on board with, with supporting it and putting it out in the world. And, uh, I mean, everything seems pretty normal. She goes from there, saving some data and saving some documents um, on a computer. And then she joins a bunch of businessmen in a room, and she promises them all this is the answer, this is the right the right drug to fix the problem, and she'd stake her career on it. And they're all like, all right, we're going to run forward, then we're going to get it to the people, we're going to try to fix everything. And uh, in Spawn fashion, we cut from there to a news anchor on CNR. And uh, this is, I mean, classic Spawn. Yeah, news reporters explaining what's going on in the world. And uh, it's it's pretty lengthy read-wise, but we go through three separate channels. And the very first channel, he's talking about how the science community has finally found a, a drug they can use against the, the spread of this disease. And it's a mysterious virus, and they have no idea how it became what it is. And doctors and specialists are, are dealing with the infectious disease, have, uh, have now have their best odds to try to fix it and stop it. And uh, the next channel is uh, iInfo Now. It's a little more, uh, less like factual news and more like, I don't know, slanderous news is kind of what it would be like. But it talks about how the current numbers are over 30 million. And even with the new drug, it's in, it is extreme health risk to try because it hasn't been tested correctly. And it goes over a bunch of different things that are like other problems that come because of this disease, because of the um, vaccine. And they're like, it's so crazy that the vaccine occasionally kills people, too, and the disease is killing people, so it's like you can't win either way. And we cut to the third TV screen, which the third TV screen is the Daily Insider, and this is the, like, conspiracy theorist channel. And, uh, it's it's more crazy, but, uh, the conspiracy theorist channel says that this is a disease God created. He God created it so he could try to weed out some of the problems with people. And uh, that's why they want us to get our blood tested. They're harvesting our blood. That way they can take our blood. And once they take our blood, 
they'll replace us with clones of ourselves. So you won't be real? If your neighbors are acting nicer than normal, it's because they're not your real neighbors. And it's this whole, like, conspiracy theory thing that's going on that is maybe not that far from the truth, um, which is weird. Um, but we cut from there to uh, a car returning home, and uh, it's got some inner monologue about how the... As she returns home, she takes a minute, she sits in the car and allows herself to uh, have one last smile. And then uh, she drives up in the driveway, gets out, meets her husband, and they kiss on the lips, and he... He tells her the kids are ready for bed, and so she takes the kids upstairs to put them to bed, and it's a boy and a girl, and after she puts the kids to bed, we join her with her husband, they're sitting in bed, and she looks in the mirror and looks at herself, and she's like, oh, you look like, you look like crap. And the husband's like, oh, are you about ready to go to sleep? And she's like, um, you know, I just need a little more time, I'm gonna read over some of my papers, and you go and go to sleep, I'm gonna stay up for a little bit. And so, as she's going through her papers, we get a little bit of a monologue, and it talks about her not noticing the bug stopping, and her not noticing the temperature dropping in the room, and her not noticing the eerily quiet sound that no longer exists in the room. And about that time, we see her look up, and by the time she looks up, it's too late, and Swan's there. And she does not react the way you would normally expect a lady to react to Swan showing up in her bedroom. And of course, Swan's there, and he's like, What's keeping you awake? Is it, is it your conscience? And, of course, Spawn starts going into how he knows that what they built as the drug is only going to make things worse, and he knows what she really is. And uh, he tells her that he's going to take care of it, that he's going to fix it, he's going to take care of the problem, he's going to stop what they're doing. And she tells him that she can't, he can't, even if he just kills her, it's not going to stop things. It's already moved too far forward. And about that time, the husband wakes up, and, he, of course, he freaks out. And Spawn sends a chain out and knocks the dude's, like, bloodies his face real bad, knocks him out. Spawn continues to shake down the lady, but again, she doesn't respond in a way that you would, to a normal, giant, Spawn-looking dude with a gun and crazy hooks in your room. She's very calm, as if it's okay. And then Spawn tells her, I know what you are, you're, you're a demon, and you're half-demon kids, I don't have to kill all of you tonight. But I'm gonna take you out. And your husband... He has no idea what the truth is. And she's like, oh, you're just going to shoot me? What are you going to, you're going to stop me? You can't kill me with regular bullets. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I've already fixed the bullets. I've made adjustments to them. And uh, he tells her that he wants her information in her notes. And she's like, I'm not giving you those. And she just shoots her. And uh, yeah, the bullet does kill her. And of course, the husband's, he's come to now and his head's all bloody and He's freaking out, and Spawn grabs him by the throat, and he's like, shut your mouth. I want you to know right now that you didn't know what this woman really was. What she really is is a demon, so you have half-demon children. And I really don't want to have to kill your children tonight, or you. So, I need you to give me her secret files. Do you know where her secret files are? And of course he's like, uh, we, we only had a few secrets. And he's like, yeah, I want her secret information because that's what I need now. I need all the data she has on the drugs she's been working at, where she keep it at home. And I'll let you and the little kids live. For now. Because your children are half demons and I might have to come for them. And so the guy, of course, gives him the information he wants. And then Spawn leaves. So we rejoin Spawn at home. And he's, uh... He's got a, a lady staying with him that has been helping him. A woman named Jessica. And Jessica's like a normal human type just mixed up in the battle between heaven and hell. And as Spawn is talking to her, what we've realized is that it's not just the demons that are trying to spread this disease. 
it's also the angels. And so they have no help to try to stop it. It's only them. And without any other help, I mean, God help them. And he's like, are you really sure you're invested in this? Because once he shows back up home, he turns himself back into Al Simmons. So he doesn't look like Spawn anymore. He just looks like normal Al with a beard. And uh, she tells him, well, you don't have anything else to left to lose. And I don't have anything else left to lose. He's like, it seems like this is more of a game to you. Like, you don't understand what's really going on. And so she tells him that that she understands that she wants to be part of it. And um, as he explains to her how dire it is that they have no other help, another fellow who I, I'm not really sure who he is, because I'm, I'm not current on Spawn, 100%, um, walks into the room, his name is Mark, and Mark's like, uh, what are you guys doing up so late? Like, what's going on? Like, just go to bed, Mark. So he's like the annoying roommate. And Spawn looks at her and he says, you know what, maybe you really need to see just how bad this is going to get. And so Al transforms into Spawn and envelops her in darkness and teleports her to another building. And uh, once we get there, he starts shooting chains and spikes out of his arms and he decides he's going to resurrect the dead. The building they're in is like an old factory where workers used to die on the regular and the company just covered it up. And so there's a plethora of bodies that have all been discarded and dispatched in this building. And it turns out that one of the bodies is a lady she knows. It was a woman that was first termed before she became this fighter of the, of the undead. And while he's rising the zombies, she's like, this is crazy. What are you doing? He's like, we need an army. I'm getting us an army. And uh, we cut to this crazy like open shot with all these crazy zombies and her and Spawn just standing in the middle of it. She's like, you can control these? And he's like, well, within 200 meters I can. Which I will give you, it's a little weird. Because that's a pretty precise number. But, basically he tells her he has control of them within a certain range. And, uh, if she really wants to be part of this, this is how it's going to be. And it's going to be gross and scary and messy. And he tells her that, uh, it's time for them to go. And, of course, she looks at her friend, who's now this crazy zombie thing, and she sheds a tear for a second, and then we get a bunch of other crazy monologue, and Spawn pours on top of, like, this crazy gargle ahead, because now they're going after the rest of the demons and this supposed cure. Because a cure is actually designed to kill people, and, uh, it's not to help, it's to make the disease worse. That's the whole point of it. So, as far as, like, current culture, I mean, with the pandemic and everything, it's, it's pretty topical. It is interesting the way he explains how heaven and hell are working together, and uh, how certain factions of both parties want this to happen, to cleanse the world a little bit of humans. Um... I mean, score-wise, I give it a two. I mean, it's, it's an interesting read. It's got a lot of cool monikers of Spawn. Like, the whole TV channel thing is really cool. I, I always liked that in the early days and back in the 90s. So it is, it is a lengthy read because of that. But, I mean, it's a hallmark of the series, so I think that's cool. The art's pretty, gr pretty gritty, but it's raising zombies, so it's yeah. hell art, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I give it a two. Uh, interesting enough, like I said, I, I didn't, I haven't read a lot of Spawn recently, so there's probably a couple pieces in there that I'm missing, but it's enjoyable enough read. I'm interested to see what happens to the next book and this whole army of the dead. The next issue is supposed to have Car Carlos Barberi drawn it. That's what uh, the preview said. And I think that dude's amazing, so I think that'll be cool, but this issue, uh, I give it two. Yeah, I, I probably agree with you on that. Maybe, probably two, I guess. As they change, like he's, you know, like he's not, 
in like his costume anymore. He's kind of just his, his bare skin drawn sometimes. Just like I didn't, I didn't really understand that. Like, again, I'm not caught up on Spawn, but like, I sure, feel like the black and the white, the classic Spawn look wasn't there. Like they're trying to give him like more of a. But then he was still like huge, buff, buff massive chested like thing, and I was like, eh. and like weirdly, um, I, I, I'm pretty anti Spawn most of the time. I've never been the massive fan, but one one of my favorite issues of any comic book of all time has been an issue of Spawn, and um, I've talked about it on this this podcast before. That uh, was the one where like. Um, a guy is buying, um, Nazi war memorabilia and he buys a lamp and the lamp, the lampshade is obviously has a tattoo on it and, uh, it's the skin of a woman who was, um, you know, a Nazi war general guy was like infatuated with this, this, this Jewish woman and she had a tattoo of a rose on her shoulder and he ended up having her skin because she wouldn't love him basically wasn't into him so he like had her killed and turned a lamp into like her tattoo into a lamp and so like the you know the guy like whatever like spawned kind of like hey this is a thing and made the, the guy that was collecting like figured out like made him made him fill and see the story and made him like so he ends up burying the lampshade at the end kind of like give the proper burial blah 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 but like that picture of that rose is actually tattooed on my arm right it was like yeah or right there right so um which I always, I thought was an amazing story, you know, like, and like, there's so much cool things, like, to me, like, you know, and, and teach their own. I'm not, I'm not saying that other people, I mean, cause Spawn's obviously popular and he's been a popular character for a long time. He's like in Mortal Kombat. He just is getting, getting ready to get another movie shot kind of thing or whatever, you know, McFarlane's done some brilliant things. Like, he owns, uh, you know, Holmes Wagner's rookie card. Like the most expensive one of the, actually at one time it was the most expensive baseball card is not anymore, but anyway, he's part owner of that. The, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, I, there's so many cool things you can do with it. And I just, I'm just not never fell in love with it. Just never been my jam. Sure. So, um, this was, it was okay. It was okay. You know, just reading and trying to be, I think that's our, our, our goal on this show is to kind of be partial. Either way, yeah, just as a good story, like that's not what I normally read, but like you know, but you know, I don't know, I don't know if I've done an issue of Spawn with you on this episode, yeah. So it was cool, it was cool to to dive back into. It. I keep tabs on McFarlane and like Spawn and things and what's going on and stuff, but like again, just one of my overall favorite issues of any book ever. Like I mean, literally, like in my top five probably of issues I just of a, of a, of a single comic that I love. That particular issue, that issue, yeah. you know, and it was a spawn, which is weird because it's not something I normally read. So, I was like, you know, he, it has potential to be awesome, but sometimes it's hit, sometimes it's missed. Sure. And this was, it's all right. The uh, the next issue, the three eleven, one of the variant covers is a uh, Chadwick Boseman um, memorial type cover, where it's not Spawn like Al, it's Chadwick instead of Spawn. Oh, that's cool. So that's it's it, the art for it is actually amazing. Um, whether it's a money grab, I, it might be, but at the same time, it's a really cool piece of art. So, that's number 311, which actually came out, I want to say this week. So this is a previous, the previous spawn. Right. But yeah, like as a thing, it's a great image. If you haven't seen it, just Google it. It looks awesome. Alright, so we're going to move on to the uh, Umbrella Academy. Yep. This is the uh, for issue one for You Look Like Death. From uh, Dark Horse. Tales from the Umbrella Academy. 
which it's still written by Gerard Way. Um, but it also Gabriel Gabriel Ba. Else for the art on it, yeah. Oh, no, no, um, as for creation, but story Gerard Way and Sean Simon both have story credits. And then as as art goes, um, art and colors is I N J Colbert. I don't know what the I N the I period N period J, but and Colbert is last name. So that's the uh, art and colors for the my him right. or her. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not too you know. So. so when we first open up, um, we join the Umbrella Academy, and this is uh, at 7:30 a.m. And uh, time wise, this is uh, prior to the professor being dead. Right, so this is like when they're still they're still teens. I mean, they're not teens, but they're like probably in their twenties, young, young adults. Yeah, and uh, he's like number four. You cannot live here any longer. Which, if you don't know, number four is the guy that's like the it's Klaus. Klaus, but he's like the poltergeist. He's like the, yeah, and he's the Re- resurrects the devil or not devil? Sorry, resurrects ghosts and spirits can communicate with the dead. But it, like, it never goes away in his head, though. Right. So he's also got, he's a massive drug addict because he, like he's trying to trying to silence all the their noises. Yeah. Which yeah, he's so he's outside. And he's got a bunch of his clothes on the ground, and he's in the process of picking them up. And he's like, "I still get my allowance, right?" From there, we open up to a hallway, and we see uh, we're, we're moving to the pantry. And inside the pantry, we have number one, who's in in there basically getting a snack, and he moves a uh, he moves a, 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 a tupper thing. And he sees behind it is Klaus laying up on the uh, top shelf in the pantry. He's like, boo. So, this is the worst hiding place ever. Right. It's a really bad hiding place. He's like, you better lay off the sweets, space boy. You don't want to lose that elegant figure. And what's funny is because later on, like... Once he's a giant monkey guy? Well, no, but like in the Umbrella Academy 2 part, like, like the first start, like he's gotten really chubby. Right. And so he has to like do that thing where he like gets less chubby or whatever. So right. it's kind of funny. And from there, we uh, we cut to the garage, and we've got, uh, oh gosh, this is the Kraken. He's in the process of repairing a car, and he turns and he throws a screwdriver across the room after hearing a weird noise, and it turns out that he, he had heard Klaus, and he's like, ah, isn't it right if I just crash in here? He's like, no, you can't. Father doesn't want you here. You you can't be in here. I, I'm not going to hide you. When well, he doesn't even call him Father, he calls him Hargreaves. Like, yeah. Because like, Kraken doesn't. And he's doesn't like, call he's him like no. Hargreaves only kicked you out. I won't be so gracious. So he, whatever he did, Kraken's willing. He's like, if you don't leave, I'll kill you. Right. So well, like he's it, always been more hardcore anyway. Kraken. I know, but like that, I mean, that's what I mean. It's just like, he obviously did something that's just like, ooh. Right. <clears throat> so then we cut from there to, uh, this is the, uh, the whisper number three. Is that what? No, oh, I can't remember what number she is actually. But with the monkey. Yeah. Well, she's, she's in there with, the. She's in there with Pogo. The two of them are are basically doing it like um, a dissection on the body, like a, what do you call that when you do an autopsy? That's yeah, what it is. Do an autopsy, yeah. They're in the process of finishing an autopsy, and so she he tells her to go in and finish up. And uh, she looks outside the window, and of course, well, there's Klaus, and he's like, "Ah, can you just let me in the hide?" She's like, "No, if they catch me hiding you, they'll he's kick like, me he's out." Just let me live under your bed for like just for a couple of nights, and she's like, "No, you know." If, if and she calls him dad, and that's what, that's that's the, the point right. of crack we're cracking. But your dad finds out, he'll kick me out too. And he's like he thinks you should. He thinks you should, and he's really a rather nice guy. 
because he's talking about the dead guy because he can speak with the dead guy because the dead, you know, as they're right. doing the... He's talking about the guy they're doing yeah. the autopsy on. We don't actually see him, which I thought was kind of funny because it means he's not really there. But he's like, yeah, he thinks you should let me stay on your bed. And she's like, no, I can't hide you. And so he, he flies off. Now, granted, in the show versus the comics, uh, he can move differently than in the show. Like, the show doesn't have this part where he can sort of fly around. It floats yeah. like, as a spirit, like as a... As like a ghost or whatever. Um, so we go from there, we were cut to inside Hargrave's office, and they've got Klaus sitting in there because they've, ca- they've caught him, and he's basically shaking him down again about about being so addicted to drugs and how he's affecting the team, and he's not helping the team. Well, and they found him, they found him at an event outside number six's room. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, hiding the event. And so he basically tells the him... The two how basically men in black. But oh, yeah, the guys in the suits. Yeah. They're the two dudes that, that drug him in there. And again, he tells him, you have to go. You're caught, you're caused for alarm. You're you're making everything harder on everyone else. And so he basically orders him again to leave. And so Klaus this time decides to leave. And as he's floating away, carrying his briefcase, like riding on it, Mother runs out afterwards to give him cookies. And he's like, oh. Because we'll always help in times like this. You're welcome. Right. And he eats a couple of cookies. And he's like, oh, these taste terrible. He puts a niece in cookies. Yeah. And he throws the cookies away after, like, eating part of one. The niece is a spice boat. Right. So we cut from there to the city. That's where it tells us we're at. And we are at a uh, an orphanage. And we have two people inside, a husband and wife combo. And the the woman's got a book. And the, the man's got a like, puppet on his hand. He's like, I hope this isn't too crazy. I hope they really like us. And in walks a lady, and she's like, oh, aren't you guys just the cutest? Here's your, <laughs> here's your little boy. And she opens the door, and out but comes... You can, but you can tell that they, like, the adoption here... Right. The woman, her like, eyes are all Her eyes are all green and weird. And yeah. Like, like, hypnotized. And so in walks Klaus, wearing, like, I don't know, a pair of high pants wrapped around his He just rolled his pants up. He doesn't yeah. have any shoes on. He just, like, hiked his pants up, and he's just like, hey, what's up? Hey, everybody, I'm your new son. And he shows him a drawing he made of them, and it's like him floating above them all crossed, like his legs crossed, and everybody's smiling, and she's like, what is going on? What the hell is this? And so she starts yelling at the lady, and eventually the lady sort of breaks out of this uh, trance she was in, and she's like, uh, what's going on? And at that point, the husband and wife both leave, and the class is just left sitting there, and he's like, ah, yeah, I don't think I was a good fit for me. They weren't a good fit for me. And she's like, what are you doing here? Like, who are you? And so she basically throws him out. And, like, outside she's yelling at him about being gone and getting getting out of there. And so he floats on down the road and he decides it's time to go get some drugs. Because that's what he does. And so he shows up at this vendor's who is like a weird hole-in-the-wall kind of box. And uh, he's like, hey, so I need to get, uh, I need to get some stuff. And the guy's like, I, I can't give you any more credit. My boss will never let me do it. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't help you at all. And so eventually, Klaus gets the guy to come out of the room and start messing with him. And Because he, he uses like the spirits. It's like, remember all these people you killed? Right. All the, and the guy starts freaking out. Well, he pulls up all the spirits behind him, and he's like, oh, all these folks that you killed are have, have died because of you. Murder's the best practice or right? whatever. And so he sends the ghost after him. So the dude, Klaus, flees running from the ghost. And Klaus lets himself inside and starts doing all kinds of blow, hoot, whatever. Anything he can smash up, he winds up snorting, which is crazy. And then for a minute, we wind up seeing him, like, plastered out on the ground. 
with all the money and everything he stole out of the, uh, out of the druggery. And he wakes up in the void. And the void's like this off-blue color place that doesn't seem to, it, it seems to be dead of movement. And, uh, when we see back in the city, we see that Klaus's body, it's kind of gone ghosty. The glowy blue? Yeah. That's just, like, he's, he's obviously... He's obviously passed out. Yeah, he's in some sort of purgatory, like, right? in his head. And, like, the, uh, the guy from the drug, from the drug wagon... The Vincent Price-looking guy. Right, very much so. Shows up, and he's like... He tries, tries to pick up some of the money, and he realizes that he can't touch any of it. Like, nothing that is connected to Klaus is actually tangible for him to touch. And that freaks him out, too, and so off he runs, and about that time, Klaus wakes up. He's like, oh, look, here's some money. Well, before, um, before that, he, like, talks about a, uh, um, the boss's name, which comes back earlier, is, um, Shivers. Right. Mr. Shivers, so. Mr. Shivers is never gonna lie. He, yeah, that's who he works for, and he tells him how Mr. Shivers will. And he's like, well, I thought Kraken took care of Mr. Shivers. Right. So apparently the Kraken didn't. But we go from there to Hollywood. So we cut from there to, to Hollywood. We left the alley where now Klaus has collected all the money that was left after the guy ran away. And, uh. Brings up an old, an old actress of some, of some sort. Right. And they show like a classic kind of movie poster and it's called Behind Her Eyes. And we see that the woman that's in the room apparently used to be the actress, but she is now much, much older and she's in the process of trying to sing to audition for a role. And, uh, the guy who's giving her the role, He's like, ah, you're too old. Which is another monkey. Yes, he's a. And he's monkey. talking. To, and he's she. She like she's an old like old time actor actress. Right. And and he's like, you know, you wouldn't understand good acting. Like they'll never pick you because you're too old. Or you're out of you're out of date. And then like, and she calls him like, hey Lenny, and blah 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 blah. So obviously, there's more talking monkeys, which we haven't. S- other than other than uh, Hargrave's assistant. Right. We, we haven't, other than Pogo, we haven't really seen any more. Exactly. So. Which is weird, because then. It is kind of weird. It's followed, like, that's one, and he's like some sort of, like, sleazy, Hollywood John Travolta type. looking, you know, because remember John Travolta from, like, uh, what's that movie, uh. Get Shorty? Get Shorty, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, basically, like, his character, but a monkey. Right. Which is weird, and then it, like, skips to, back to the city, and it shows. The Vincent Price-looking drug dealer guy joining Mr. Shivers, who is like a monkey with vampire teeth. But he's a vampire monkey. Yes. And he is the guy that... And he's he, for sure a vampire. Well, he's in the process of getting ready to buy a lady's neck. And afterwards, he has bitten her neck. So I don't know if they're actually monkeys, or if they're like... If they're supposed to be like a Hollywood monkey man, or if it's actually a monkey, because it appears to be a monkey. And since Klaus isn't actually here, this is us getting a view of these people, it makes me think that there must just be other monkey people in the world? That, exactly. That was, that, that's like, I never noticed that. Like, it's, I don't remember that from before, but... And then, but they're like, well, it was it was the weird one, you know, like the, you know, like the Klaus, the extra... Well, oh, yeah, well, he's... he's the he, creepy one. He basically tells his boss that everything was stolen, and he's like, which one was it? He's one of the Umbrella Brats. He's the, like, the, the creepy, mm, the creepy the, one, the, right? The creepy Klaus one. And then he's just like... uh Somebody like brings up a tray of something to him. One of the waitresses does, and it's like, um, no girl garlic as requested, sir. So like, 
He's a vampire. It emphasizes the vampire thing. Yeah. And then, um, and he's like, and I told you not to refer to me as the Shivers. Or no, I, re- I told you to refer to me as the Shivers, not Mr. Shivers. It makes it sound scarier. Right. So he wants to be called the Shivers. And he tells, uh, tells the goons that we need to make an example of him. Because no one, you know, no one messes with me. We gotta make an example of this right. guy. And then, uh, we join Hollywood again and we find out that Klaus has decided to use his money to get a trip to Hollywood. Which, and I mean, we'll get to it at the end of the book, but like, this, the pages, as they, they switch from city to city and different things like that, like, the, the color changes. The color changes are fantastic. Like, right. This one, like, when they go to Hollywood, the warm, the oranges, like the, yeah, it's all bright, the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Really cool. I thought that, and like, you know, and even like all the, uh, the neons throughout the book and stuff, the art's really good. Right. And when we're in the city, it's kind of more of a grim green and blue kind of look in general. Uh, but yeah, so while we're there, um, Klaus, of course, gets off the plane and, well, he has no place to go, really. And so what does he do? He finds a uh, coffin. coffin on the way to a funeral and tags along with the guy who is being buried. Um, so once we get to the funeral parlor, he's in there basically talking to the guy about the mistakes he made in life and what got him killed. And, and the guy's like, you need to lay off the drugs, young man. Right. He's like... And he was asking him how to get back to that place. He's like, well, how'd you get there before? He's like, drugs. He's like, you need to lay off the drugs, young man. Right. We asked the old man, like, how do I get back to the void? So he's asking the guy who recently died how to get to the void, which he already knows. I mean, it's the basically OD, I guess. Well, but, yeah. But then he, like, he marches in. He's like, no no offense. And he marches in and is like, hey, who's Tommy? You were the favorite. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, while he's talking to the old man, the old man says, I, I never told my sons I have a favorite. And he's like, he tells him that Tommy was always his favorite, but he never told the boys that. Right. And he starts just talking trash. So, yeah, he basically takes all the ghost secrets and just starts throwing them at the people inside the uh, the funeral parlor. And they kick him out, obviously. Right. Well, they kick him out and call him a jerk and throw him out of the funeral parlor, which leaves him out on the streets. On Skid Row. Yeah. Which is a weird place to have a funeral parlor, but, I mean, that's where it was at, so, okay. And uh, while he's out there, he wants to meet another guy, and the guy's, oh, you working? And he's like, what do you mean? Well, you know, occasionally the people come down here, you're going to have to clean yourself up, man. If you want to get a job out here, you're going to have to clean yourself up. So clearly this dude's a prostitute. Yeah, so he's, like, he's a male prostitute, and then he's like, are you, are you hooking, basically? And like, yeah, that's so what he's that, asking him. Yeah. So then, like... The crazy old actress lady who's looking for work is like, she's looking for... She's looking for a date to show off at a party. Yeah, so she's... So she shows up there and initially... She's that kid. Initially she's talking to the guy who just met Klaus, who's, I don't know, kind of prettied up. He's got a crazy, like, I don't know, fur around his neck. And there's Klaus who's just randomly there and she's like, mm, who's that guy? Why don't you come over and get my car? We're going to take a ride. So she basically takes Klaus to the party and uh while, we're, while we... From there, we cut to being at this, like, fancy mansion, and Klaus is in there just dancing with all these ghosts and partying it up, and these whole group of old... One, like, of, one of them's Chaplin. Um, oh, yeah. Like, the ghosts are, like, party Hollywood people. Yeah. I'm, Probably Marilyn. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the other ones are people, but I'm not sure. But right. I think one's Marilyn, for sure. The one on the far side looks like Marilyn. Really. Yeah, I agree. But the other, the other three, I'm not... I, I guess we could do some research and find out, but... Like, yeah. I mean, there's that old... Old-timey ghost, like, actors, actor types. And, uh, we see a batch of the, uh, celebrity types that are there at the party are watching and, like, enjoying him doing his show. 
And uh, one of the old men asks the lady, like, who's, who's your, uh, who's your he, buddy there? Who's he here with? And she's like, oh, that's my date. So, like, it kind of wraps up there with clearly they have ill intent for whatever he's able to do. But it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting setup. And, like, Umbrella Academy is a f- fun thing. It's, it's awesome. Um, as far as score, Josh, you have a score for that book? Man, I give it a four. Like, you know, I, I always love Gerard Way stuff. I like, I like his writing super good, super weird and off the wall and great. I love indie stuff. Like, I love me some Gerard Way. Actually, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it, I'll get four to five. Like, it was a pretty solid, like, it was really good. Like, and I'm not, of all the Maryland Academy kids, he's the one that I'm like, eh, whatever. But like, they did, they did a really good job, like, delving into a character who's kind of jerk and not, likable at all and he kind of makes him likable a little bit right a little bit not really but a little bit you know it's kind of like david Duchovny's character in uh californication where you're like the guy's such a scumbag but you kind of still root for him like he keeps shooting himself in the foot but you still kind of root for him right one of those things like it was it was well written i liked it and like the, the art in it i thought was as simple as the art is and being an indie like that it was really like like we talked about the colors and things like that. Like it really, the mood and the feel of each different like location, right, is noticeable. Like you know, like when the, the beginning when they're at the the mansion is is one color, and then it, you know it's it was it was very well done in that aspect. So like the 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 artist and the writers really communicated. I feel and I feel like that's I feel, I feel like Gerard Way, Gerard Way like. I feel like him be like shooting like music videos and like, like sure. kind of like mini films basically. Like he kind of gets that, so he's like, no one needs to be a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that. Like, no, it's noticeable. He he pays attention to those details. Well, so yeah, he's an eccentric dude as yeah, far for as sure. like the way the book works. But like when we get to the void, that weird off kind mm-hmm. cold blue, very cold, makes it feel different. It's really impressive the way they use the the color. Actually, it was, it's it's you know, and I think that. A lot of people be like, whatever. Right. But, like, as, you know, we read a ton of books. And That's so it's just like, it's, it's really, it was really neat. Like, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from it. Like, when I say simplistic, like, it's not bad. Right. But, like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different, it's a simple, it's a more simple animated looking style, but it still has a lot of detail. And, like, it, like, especially with the colors and things like that. So, like, they did a fantastic job. Like, I was very impressed. I hadn't read this, started this series yet. And so and I always love Umbrella Academy stuff. Like, it's always good. Sure. So I, I loved it. It was great. So, yeah, score wise, I mean, I give it a 375, a 375, a three and a half, three and a half, a little three and a half. It is really good and it is really fun. I think, uh, probably the real reason this one's happening is because how well received Klaus is in, is in the uh, TV series. Ah. Uh, because the guy playing the part in there, yeah, that whole aspect of him. It shines really hard right. in the show. So I think that might be why we're getting this series, really. Because the last one they did was called Hotel Oblivion, and it was in the future. Not that that part matters so much, but... And that's one of the number ones all fat at the beginning, yeah. and, they, and they hook them up to the machine. Right. So that's what made me laugh on this. Like, you better lay off the sweets. Oh, yeah. No, it's so funny. That, that made me laugh a little bit, because, like... Yeah. The one reference to the other without, you know, being in sync with each other. But, yeah, like, he, we don't get a lot of Klaus. I don't feel like in the first two volumes, I mean, he's there. But I think the real reason this one's happening is because how popular it has become because of the show. Right. And yeah, he is still really, I mean, like you said, he's kind of a scumbag, but he's like the scumbag you're like kind of root for. And season two of the TV series really runs with that. 
So they didn't. I so I haven't watched season two yet. So uh, I don't really, okay. I, that's that makes that's, a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But I do. I, I I've always liked the character. Even in the beginning, it was like, you know, they delve into this and that and that and this. But it's like, you know, that everything's kind of has its own place. Sure. But like, the fact that like they've been able to translate it to TV, which what makes sense to me. Like, sure. It, it's very translatable. But then like. I don't know, like, each character is so individually different and unique, and it's like, I don't know, it's it's rad. Like, I think, I mean, not to get too off track, but, like, the, the, um, the Fabulous Killjoys or whatever. Right. Like, that storyline, like, like, what that he did is super neat, but, like, to me, as a comic book or, or any story is so much more fascinating to me, because, like, it's super, like, it's futuristic sci-fi, apocalyptic future stuff, and it's, right. like, so neat. And, like, I went back recently and watched a lot of those videos. Sure. And, like, his band, like, so that band went from, like, so this kind of, like, so Umbrella Academy kind of comes out of the Black Parade stuff. Sure. I mean, not directly. No. But, like, the, the Black the Parade style, was all though. about, like, yeah. death and funeral procession and all this kind of stuff. And so, like, Umbrella Academy is kind of, like, Everything's darker, and like everywhere. Well, that's where the story first opens in the original volume. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's it's all that kind of stuff. It's just like it's a darker feel, but like, so then when they went on to do um, Killjoys, the you know the life in uh, well, all the Fabulous Killjoys, whatever. Real Life Adventures of the Fabulous Killjoys. That that album, mm-hmm. which is super different, but when th- when that band was on tour for Umbrella Academy or not Umbrella, uh, Black Parade, it was like a lot of bad things happened to that band, like. I think Gerard Way film broke his arm. Like the drummer's like leg got caught on fire with some of the pyro, and he got a really bad infection. Like there's a lot of really really bad things, and they were just like, we got to get this tour done with, man. Like everything just like they were fighting a lot. You know, it just it was just a very dark. I think it was because of the content of, and so then when they went on to do the Fabulous Killjoy album, things changed. Like so they had different costumes, they had a different feel, and then like the band kind of just had a new like resurgence almost sure. and then like they went into that album and it it wasn't as like as critically received as black parade but i thought it was fantastic and i thought it was so neat because like you know like laser guns and this and that and like you know you wrote the comics and stuff too but like, right well they actually just started a second second run for killjoys oh cool it, it appears to be a lot more connected to the characters from the videos granted i haven't read the first issue well yet, see, yeah because a lot of those dudes Died in the videos at the beginning, yeah. you know, like in that saving the little girl, or whatever. And so the first part was that. So maybe they go back in time, or whatever. They, yeah, I don't know how it connects yet. Cause and I it was, it, it, said, it was just it, really but... cool because they do they they do the whole uh, vanishing point connection where like the radio DJ is kind of like sharing with them where like, oh yeah, where the bad guys are and kind of exactly. kind of thing, which was if nothing. If you if you're, even if you're not into the music. As far as the thing, but the videos are really pretty cool. Yeah, the, the, and the way they fit together is really cool. They did a fan, and then if you don't know, Grant Morrison plays the bad guy in yep. the videos for the Fabulous he, Killjoys. If you ever want to know what the crazy dude looks like, yeah, he's the bad guy in the videos. Which I mean, I I don't know, like, but that's that's Gerard Way being Gerard Way being like, hey man, I respect you as a writer, and I respect his things because, like, you know, as, as we talked, like, I know that you have your your hits or miss with Grant, but like, I mean, like, you know, his Superman stuff his action stuff was like kind of whatever okay. but mm-hmm. like but you know and i know you don't like his x-men stuff necessarily but the writing on the x-men stuff was fantastic it was just like maybe it was just the design and the frank quietly stuff maybe yeah i don't know i, I don't, really didn't like, but like even going sister. back to his old vertigo stuff with like invisibles and things like that like 
I've always thought Grant Morrison was absolutely fantastic. He's, sure. my, fav- he's my favorite comic writer. And like his JLA stuff is, um, it's the penultimate version of like all those characters. And like it made it, it, he was kind of the beginning of making Batman like the Batman we know. Like he was like beating, beating the white Martians single handedly or, you know, Superman being like this, the, the, the biggest blue boy scout, but like being so powerful, even mentally and physically and everything. And like, you know, just all those things. Like he, he kind of made. I mean, he, did, he did a decent job with the Justice League. He's he's not a bad writer. There are some stories I hate, but it's like few and far between the ones I hate versus the ones I like. But yeah, it is crazy. Um, what was that weird? The semen or something? Twenty twenty or remember that weird one? Sea guy. Sea guy. Like, did he write that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was him too. And it was like, yeah, I didn't like that. It was so bizarre. He had like his best friend was like some weird flying swordfish or something or a flying salmon. Sea guy and Mickey Eye. I, yeah. I I don't know. It was good. It was just like so bizarre. Yeah, it was weird. But those things like I like bizarre stuff. Like sure to an extent. Like and I like the art, but yeah, but like I get, I, get, I know what you're saying. Like we may have different tastes and stuff, and so obviously sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and be like you gotta read this because you're gonna think it's fantastic. I know <laughs> I know that what you will and won't like, but like yeah. when it comes to Grant, I'm a big fan. So like when he did the crazy volcano head guy for Green Lantern, sure. I was like. That makes total sense because it's that's that's a sea guy twenty twenty thing because it's just like or whatever. It's just so weird, yeah. You know, like most people, are like I got an idea of guy with a volcano for a head. And like we talked about that last last episode, I was like, man, that's some great motion stuff. But anyway, like, yeah, he's him and him and Gerard are good friends and whatever. And like he's he's pretty crazy in those videos. Yeah, he's definitely crazy. He does look like a crazy evil bad arch villain guy. Oh, 100 percent. Shade head, angry, like yeah, weird. yeah, and he looks like a villain. <laughs> <laughs> so, good stuff, but uh, I was very, yeah, I like this book a lot. It was good. I like yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't get the read Killjoys or not Killjoys, uh, Umbrella Academy at all, it, it really is a pretty cool read. And like the story and the show are different, not in bad ways, in good ways. So if you like the show at all, if that's what you've been exposed to. I think to. this is closer. To class in the show a little bit though, maybe personality wise, but not style wise. Well, like, I mean, probably because because of the popularity of the oh show, yeah, like you said, sure. I think that like he is more so like the show, like kind of because of this. But oh yeah, but, yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen the show, it's on Netflix or whatever. It's right. It's really good. Two seasons. Have you ever read the books? On at this point, there's three volumes. This guy's only got the first. Actually, number two came out last week, so it's only got the first two issues out. So this is one of six. Si, senor. So, like, this will be... Oh, I it, think it's an eight, isn't it? Uh, six. Oh. Uh, it's, okay. Brain-wise, I feel like it's eight, but I just don't remember if that's true or not. Six will make more sense for a trade, though, so... Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it says like a one of six, but... um, Yeah, I, I mean, this would be kind of, kind of like a side story kind of thing, because it takes place... It's like a prequel... It would be a prequel to to the death, so it's a prequel to the beginning of the story. Which, like the it's, very it's, first it's, issues, very which, first I mean, series. Which like the, all these characters are so cool that you could do that kind of stuff. Like oh sure, like but he's already like number one's already a monk in the monkey suit. Partly yeah. So when he got blasted and, off of space is questionable now. Yeah, so there's I mean there's like there's so, there's so many cool things you could do with the story. Sure, like, they're all such interesting characters. But yeah, I like it. Right on. Uh, well, what'd you learn today, Josh? You like snacks and monkeys? Or, no, that's number one. My bad. <laughs> Why do we like snacks? 
Not from Invader Zim. Oh, what did I learn today? Yes, what did you learn I like today? snacks and monkeys. Okay. That makes sense, too. Uh, what did I learn today, then? You do like snacks, but it's not what you learned. I learned about you. Um, what did you learn today? You hate the cold, but that people don't know that. <laughs> That's not true. I like the cold just fine. I like the cold, cold, though. Where you come in, you got the like the little, like, Jack Rustin in your nose, like, cherry red nose. Like, oh, it's so cold outside. You got a coat on. It's not really a thing that happens. <laughs> you got a coat? You got, like, a jacket? I have a hoodie. I know. I mean, that's, that's a coat for you, man. That's true. Yes, that's true. Because it's, it's, it's like, it's, uh, it's horrible. It's been kind of horrible the last few days here. But that's, that's true. The weather has been really bad. Yeah. The weather outside is horrible. Did you see the down trees along the, uh, Dude, golf course? everywhere. I took pictures of, like, logs that I, t- I put my shoe next to one just to, sh- to send a picture to somebody and, like, my size nine and a half shoe, like, up and down. Like from heel to toe, was smaller. Like it was half the size of the log branch that fell on the sidewalk when I was watching the walking the dog. So my size nine and a half shoe times two was how thick the log was that broke off from the snow that right. we got on Sunday. Yeah, it was crazy. Like driving that street that night, it's pretty. It was wild. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that picture you posted, man. Yeah. That's nuts. Like so crazy. Yeah, it was like, I mean, literally, you're like, hey man, we get. We were shaking snow. We probably saved a lot of my tree because it probably would have oh, yeah. broke a lot of it. I, yeah, the one out in your front yard. Yeah. Yeah, man. I it was, it's it was weird. Yeah. Pretty crazy. But, yeah. All right. Um, you got any books to watch there, Josh? Books to watch. Um. Wow. I watched this one. Liked a lot. The Umbrella Academy. Right. Um, the speed metal stuff is still really crazy. Uh, as far as death metal, in or death general, metal, I, yeah. don't, I don't know why I said speed metal. Death metal, yeah, yeah, it is, it is wild. I said speed metal because I think of flash and speed, right. but like, but death metal, like death, it's crazy. I was like, oh, so like, what the heck, man? Like, really, got to make like this, like crazy, like insane villain who's like all these horrible things mixed together, but also like God. I'm like, oh, well, you got to kind of, but I, just, I don't know where you go from there. Because you basically I mean, have, you have Dr. Question. Manhattan mixed with Batman mixed with Joker. Just like you basically have God and horrible mixed <laughs> together. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that's pretty but, bad. I mean, but, it's, but it's still very interesting. And I, and I love Somali West. So I'll see where that goes. What about you, man? Well, um, probably a book we might try to do maybe next week. If I can get you the files for it. Um, there's a book called Homesick Pilots coming out from Image Comics. And uh, we got a, got a preview of that thing, and uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I actually got a preview of the first two issues, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one about a haunted house that a girl winds up getting stuck in, and then eventually being able to walk it around like a mech. It's the actual house because the actual house. Huh. Like, the house itself transforms. It's pretty crazy. So, I haven't asked you, has the first issue, uh, remember the book that we previewed a few weeks back that we got the the pre the precursor for, and it was a, like, really cool, like, um, interplanetary kind of book? Uh, we only find them when they're dead? Yeah. Is, oh, is, yeah. Is issue, that, uh, issue two is already come out. At, at two is out already? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just curious, because I was like, I... I we, only, we only find them when they're dead. 
Yeah, issue yeah. two came out maybe two weeks ago. No, oh. week ago. Yeah, it must have been real recent. Cause I, th- I thought I asked, like, I wasn't sure if it was out yet, but like, man, that book, that's another book that I'm supposed uh, to watch. Cause I, everything about that book's rad. So. Yeah, it's awesome. Issue two is actually going to second print, and the second print's come out next week. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's popular, popular. Issue one's got four prints. The fact that it, it is that popular is not surprising enough. No, it's it, it great. Was, it was, it's, it's really, really good. So if you're not, if you're not into that, well, it might be too late for you to be into it at this point. Uh, but not give, for, for first prints, yes. Give it a shot, because like if they're in fourth priority, that's a big deal. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, coming out from Boom Comics. Uh, we only find them when they're dead. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, another book to look for next, well, depending when you listen to this, um, Crossover's getting ready to come out, and it is also awesome. Donnie Cates is writing it. Um, coming out from Image should be fantastic. Like, the first issue is great. Um, so both of those... We only find them their dad. I, I, I also can't can't read more. Book's fantastic. The art is fantastic. The story is really cool. Um, so I'd say all those as far as books to to look for. Um, Batman Catwoman when it comes out should be really interesting. Um, Tom King's writing that to finish off his run on Batman. Um, that uh, I think the last issue of his ended on number eighty nine. Uh, then Tenian took over. We did Joker War. And now he's going to do, King's going to do a miniseries called Batman Catwoman. Whether it lands in continuity, uh, is questionable. But as a thing, I've seen a preview of it also. And it is freaking great. And also, there's a Battle Toads book? Uh, maybe. That's, I guess there's a comic coming out of it where it's, it reveals what happened after the first game? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I just I saw something online about that today. I was like, okay. It was never, like, I mean, I played the, the video game or whatever sure. a couple times. I was like, eh, whatever. They're just like a rip-off of that in struggles, but so I, I was just asking. Yeah, no, I, not something I've heard of yet. Not that that means anything, but I have, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that's what I got, so as far as things to check out. There's other things that are cool in the universe, but I say watch for those ones because they look freaking awesome. Awesome, man. Uh, so it's key. Oh, uh, social media source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, check out topfivecomicspodcast.com for everything. Everything that we do. Everything we touch. Everything that has even a scent of us on it will be on there. Topfivecomicspodcast.com sure. Right. There's a link for everything. But the other, all the things that we do Topic Comics Podcast, which we're doing right now. So if you're listening to it, thank you. Rate and review it, please, on, um, weirdly, like, on Apple, especially, like, give it, iTunes and. Yeah, but Apple, it's like iTunes. It's, it's not really iTunes. It's like, a, it's like Apple Podcasts or something. Just, so, so if you just. Yeah. But anything, if you just, uh, rate and review everything, please. Just like, if you're listening to this, all I gotta do is click on the five, the, Five stars, and then write a little <laughs> review. And when you have to write the review, just click on the five stars. It helps a lot. But if you give a review, be like, hey, CBS's, you know, beard sounds so handsome, or whatever. <laughs> you know, just like, or, you know, Josh is ridiculous and interrupts CBS too much, or whatever it is. Like, but just, if you, but if you do those things, it helps a lot because with the algorithms, all the nonsense. Sure. And then also, we do do another podcast that's a little bit more 
Um, a true rated called Never Been Done podcast with our buddies, um, Tyler Huff, um, T Huff. And so we do that as well. We cover movies, um, directors, actors, things like that. We're, you know, we're slinging along. We're in the eighties, I think on that one. So, we, sure. but uh, we might have covered your favorite director. We haven't done Steven Spielberg yet. So no. this gets come up eventually. So if you're waiting for him, it hasn't happened yet. But anyway, other than that, we done all sorts of things. That's fun. But, uh, CBS and me do a, uh, Action figure, um, unboxing, unpackaging, like a review show, sort of review show, but it's like on YouTube. But there's a whole sect of things on YouTube of unboxing, which I don't know why that's popular, but we do it and we have a good time. And like, um, it's called action figure deconstruction, so check that out there. Um, I went on there the other day actually and saw that we've got quite a few more views on a lot of them, surprisingly, um, which is neat. But uh, we have some cool new GI Joes coming out, some cool other. Different action figures series is coming out. Yep, yep. Um, Boss Fight Studios has some cool stuff coming out, like the Flash Gordon Zorro, um, the Phantom, things like that. So hopefully we get those things going. Is I mean, once they show up, sure. But we also have some Joe stuff coming, and also we did get it today. Like we got to talk about, like we got some his tanks today, man. Oh right, exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So like scalpers did not beat us to it today. <laughs> so those jerk scalpers who come in and just buy stuff and then like resell on eBay for like twice as much. Like, but we each got a his tank, which is awesome because right. it's like both love GI Joe and his tank and his tank driver and awesome. awesome. So stoked on it. So yeah, um, there's that, and mostly at this point, Target is just the the one where like they just don't make enough. I guess I don't know. Sure, it's weird, but um. Beyond that, our buddies, um, Tia, who does Never Been Done podcast, has Scovillionaires, which is a hot sauce review show yep. for us, uh, or not for us, but uh, as well. And with our buddy Connor, who has been on the, the Never Been Done podcast multiple times. Yep. And so check them out if you like hot sauce. And then we also have brothers, uh, Ant-Man 2050. The um, plays. Yep. So is that on Twitch? Do you know? No, it's not. He should probably be, but he's not. Yeah, so I was thinking, like, that should be a thing, because, like, Twitch yeah. is, like, kind of where all that stuff's at, right? I mean, they're in YouTube both. It depends on the kind of player you are, I guess. I, I don't know why he's not. He should be. Oh, well, that's... Um, other than that, man, like, we just... We love doing this. Check sure. us out. Rate, rate and review this show, please. Share with your friends, like, uh, comic books or... I mean, obviously, Avengers is the most money-making movie of all time, so... I would think at this point, people like comic book characters, at least in superheroes. So we try our best and we do our thing. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah. It's key. <laughs> you thought I didn't do it again, didn't you? I'm